This week on the Jesse Ewell's Idea Grave, I'm speaking to Toronto artist Todd Julie about the unbelievably disappointing The Dark Knight Rises. Enjoy. So I don't know um, how the best way to begin is. I don't know if you have a preface that you want to get into first or if you want to just start playing the I thing. think we could just identify ourselves and do it like director commentary style where you just kind of say who you are and then you just kind of launch into it while you're watching it. Like we don't have to specifically stick with the specific action we're watching on screen like once you have an idea. Yeah, there was a podcast that they did on 5x5 about Casino that yeah. worked with that. They had like the audio kind of playing subtly in the background mm-hmm. and then the person was basically doing like fanboy um, dissection as the movie scene by scene. He said like, oh, this is a great shot and oh, this is a great thing that Pacino's doing here and right or uh, rather Pesci and De Niro. Yeah. Um, is there any other way to do it? I think that's really the only way you could do it. Yeah, that is a good way to do it except that in the case of Dark Knight Rises, isn't there, like, so many problems in that movie that... Yeah, well, that's the whole point of the podcast, isn't oh, Okay, it? so we're just going <laughs> to dissect Dark Knight Rises and talk about, like, why nothing makes sense? Well, there's parts that are cool we could draw attention to, but they're kind of few and far between. I mean, there's more problems than anything else yeah. in the movie. Yeah, far out. I like... Uh, it's good that it starts off in... The prologue. The prologue is what we saw. We first. should turn it on if we're. It is. Talk it's recording it. now. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. The prologue, like where they talk about Harvey Dent. I don't know no, the uh, the prologue was the first um, piece of like Dark Knight Rises that we saw in the viral marketing campaign. Right? They released oh, the first six that minutes thing. with Bane oh, in yeah. the theater the same way that they did with the Joker back in the day. Yeah. And. That was amazing. It wasn't as amazing as with the Joker, though. No. It didn't. It didn't seem as much like. Actually, that kind of was the first hint in terms of the marketing campaign. Yeah. Like the marketing campaign for the Dark Knight was like inspired. Was one of the great marketing campaigns, and that little clip was like a piece of that. But with the Bane thing, it's like it doesn't really feel like it's its own little short film in the same way. It just feels like they took the first scene of the movie and released it mm. and the same with the rest of the marketing campaign it actually just seemed like a pale imitation of the fir- of the Dark Knight marketing campaign but not really as thought out yeah and this they do the same thing in the movie where they like <laughs> I hate it when they with sequels when they reference the <laughs> the movie before like uh, they reference Batman Begins or they reference uh Dark Knight, and then they'll actually um, play clips from it. Mm. That's the worst. Yeah, because it's like, look at this better movie that we made, and isn't this one good too? Just because we put some of the clips from it in. Yeah, it's disappointing. I hate it when they do that because like Dark Knight didn't have clips from Batman Begins in it. No, of course it didn't not. really reference it. No, you know, it's its own stands on its own merits. Yeah, and it, I was actually really surprised. Dark the the original Batman Begins was kind of an indie movie. It almost felt like they had yeah. completely forgotten about Batman and they were rebooting it with uh, an indie director that was going to try to do something more mature with it. And then I remember walking into um, the Bloor subway station and the entire thing was covered in Batman stuff. 
And I thought, holy crap, they're marketing this like the next Transformers movie. And, you know, I think you were with me and you were just like, yeah, it's Batman. You know? <laughs> yeah. I forgot that it was a summer blockbuster. They did kind of try to, at least in the build-up when they were releasing things on the internet, try to stress the integrity of the director and stuff. So here we go in the first scene here. So yeah, and it was cool that we downloaded a bootleg of this. It kind of the bootleg kind of made both the prequel, the Joker prequel, and this better because it felt like something underground and from like another country or something. I liked that you couldn't really hear Bane's audio and you had to study it. To they changed the audio eh? after this because it's way more cartoonish now. In the if this is the version that appeared in the theater, the theatrical version, yeah. it was way. It slides back into normal, but in the first scene, I think they cleared it up. I totally agree. And, like, the, the funny thing, that was the, the moment that I started to get suspicious when I was in the theater. I was just like, that's not the way it, it, it was on that prequel that we yeah, watched yeah. 10,000 yeah, times. Good. I liked it better before. It was uh, harder, definitely harder to understand, but it felt like it was a better performance. Mm -hmm. This kind of sounds like they brought Tom Hardy back into the sound studio. They're like... Do it slowly, yeah. so the kids can understand yeah, you. Lead them in. I really like the characterization of Bane, actually, just on its own without the plot. That's the guy from Game of Thrones, eh? One of uh, Littlefinger. Yeah. Perhaps he's wondering why someone would shoot him out before throwing him out of the plane. Yeah, that's that's way cleaned up. <laughs> it doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. I still kind of wish that they had done some Lord of the Rings tricks to make Bane enormous. Look bigger. Who would care who I was till I put on the mask? Just going back to what uh, we were talking about, the audio being cleaned up. The audio mixing in this movie is terrible. It was terrible in Dark Knight too. It's terrible. Like, you're in the theater, and when the characters are whispering, you can't hear anything they're saying. And then when the explosions go off, it's so loud that, like, it shakes the theater. I didn't have a problem with Ridiculous. it in the theater, but I hated it in the, the DVDs. Just, it's like they don't understand that not everybody has like a home theater system and lives in a house so they can crank it as loud as they yeah. want. Yeah. Or at least yeah. if you're going to optimize it to that point, make a mono version on the thing where you can just turn on and it's balanced the way that it would be on a, a regular track. I felt like, in terms of. You know, just to start off, start the ball rolling on the things that bugged me about the movie. Yeah. I felt like this early scene where Bane is like a paramilitary commander, uh -huh. and he has a lot of like thugs that are kind of doing his grunt work for him. Yeah. In the same way that the Joker had hired all sorts of like lunatics to mess right, up yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that was a characterization that I didn't felt. I felt like it didn't fit with the character. I felt like Bane would be a much more Stalin-esque, like, strongman-type guy, where, like, he is the enforcer, and he's doing all of the heavy lifting. Right. 
I felt like this scene would have played way better if like Bane had just attacked the plane Gone on his alone. own <laughs> and like taken out everybody. Uh, that could have been pretty awesome. That actually never really occurred to me. But because uh, yeah. Batman, right? He's supposed to be the shadow of Batman. Well, that's the what's nice about this scene actually. Just in the way that like it's really just like kind of like that scene in Dark Knight where he takes the guy out, like the Chinese guy from the plane. Mm -hmm. So. There's all these moments where they seem like they might start to get it right. Like when, uh, later on, also when Alfred, Batman's like, you're afraid if I go back out there, I'll fail. And then Alfred's like, no, I'm afraid that you want to. And I'm like, he does want to. That's, that's what the real focus of the thing should be, right? But he just says that and then it doesn't seem to go that way. Most of the movie. I felt like um, the previous movie did a better job at mirroring the arc of Batman Begins, except they made it Joker Begins, right? You introduce the Joker and then he starts escalating as the story goes by. Um, Batman was almost playing the part that um, Ra's al Ghul did in like the first movie. Where he was like a supporting player to like this escalating. That was kind of. That was one of my criticism. Like after I saw this, and then I started to think, like, wait a second, <laughs> what's happened here? Mm -hmm. So then I started to go back and look at the other movies. Right. And I was like, if you really remove Joe Heath Ledger performance from Dark Knight, you really see them starting to lose track of Batman. In this series, in a more in, in a much more gradual way, to the point where in this movie he's like fighting for screen time in his own movie. Yeah, for real. Like I think that we both felt like after you digest it, if you take the Heath Ledger scenes out of the Dark Knight, the movie is just kind of average. It's an average movie with an amazing supporting uh, performance. Yeah, it's a good. Well, I like Two Face too. I mean, I really like that movie, but. Uh, Batman, you know, there's not really any crouching amongst the gargoyles, or... He doesn't do a lot of stuff that Batman would do, you know, like, the way he's all kind of like... He doesn't ever go into the Narrows, or... Right, what happened in that neighborhood? I guess it's just not... That's not who the Joker's harassing, so it's like, whatever. Right. But... I don't know. It also seems... <laughs> it, the, it's funny, like, uh, how... Christopher Nolan completely changes the focus of the story based on his budget. Like the first Batman movie, clearly they didn't spend as much money, so there's a lot of soundstage stuff going on in it. Mm. Second Batman movie, they get a bit more money, so they start flipping over trucks and things. Third Batman movie, they got blockbuster money, so Too they start crashing money. planes and having yeah. hundreds of actors run at one another. And Yeah, he kind of got the George Lucas syndrome, mm -hmm. where he, I don't know, at first, you, like, he used to be, like, a script director where, like, the script was, like, central and solid, like, with prestige, but more and more, like, I feel like he's fell, fallen in love with himself as the guy who does, like, spectacular, you know, uh, real visual effects kind of guy. Mm -hmm. But, like, this shit just... That's, like, a secondary... Yeah, that's a good, like... That's a good thing to keep in mind, that practical effects are really effective. Mm-hmm. But clearly second fiddle to having a decent story. And this is ridiculous because 
You had the whole story mapped up out for you in Nightfall. You know what you should do for this? You should you should splice in some of the uh, that uh, that Batman audiobook <laughs> just for comparison. Because even the scene that's awesome where he fights him later, like when he breaks his back, it's probably the coolest scene in the movie, but it's still not nearly as good as in that audiobook. No, no, they they make Batman out to be such a loser in the first act of this film that when he gets his back broken, I'm kind of like, yeah, well, fuck you, Bruce, for being such an arrogant that? dick. Yeah. I don't know. I should say that, like, this whole thing, people always argue that, oh, but, you know, he has to have been off for eight years because, like, Harvey Dent's sacrifice has to have meant something, and I'm like, Give me a goddamn break. Eight years? Like, it could have just as easily been that he's like, okay, I have to be the bad guy, but I still have to be Batman. So he's, like, still out there. and like, Getting chased by the cops. Getting chased by the cops, but still tr finding time to do good. And then, like, that's how he's getting burned at both ends. And then that's when Bane comes in and finishes him off. There could have been eight months of story time between those two movies. Like, it doesn't have to be eight years. Especially since he's going to be, like, out of it for the second third of the movie after his back gets broken. Oh, totally. It's it's yeah. totally redundant. And, I mean, again, the characterization, it's like, why would somebody devote their life from the time that they were a child up until a man for this mission and then all of a sudden give it up? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's, like, not like, even at the end, it's not like, I don't know if we should tether ourselves more to the movie, but it's not like he uh, swore a vow to his parents that he was going to stop a nuke attack, like, on Gotham. He, like, swore that he would stop what happened to him from ever happening to anyone else. That's a job that doesn't have any end. Totally. It's like, you got to be out there, like, as long as there's one stupid mugger on the street, he's out there, like, pounding heads, mm -hmm. or he should be. Mm-hmm can also see that Nolan really didn't want to make a Batman movie. He kind of wanted to make a Howard Hughes movie. <laughs> but he was just like, fuck, I'm Nolan. I'll just do it. I'll just throw it in. The thing that I found more awesome about Dark Knight Returns, the cartoon and the comic book, mm -hmm. was that even when Bruce Wayne was an old man, he was still a badass. So yeah, like when the muggers, that great scene in the beginning where he's retired, but the muggers try to take him out and he beats their heads in just as like a, a fun kind of And also it's like, okay, exercise. he could be depressed for a bit, but not just over a woman. Like, it's too emo for Batman in a sense. Like, he, in Dark Knight Returns, he's, he's, he's depressed because he wants to be Batman. It's so funny because like, I haven't seen this movie in so goddamn long that I forgot half of the things that annoy me about it and now you're reminding me there's, that there's no end. fucking speech with him crying about Rachel to like yeah. Alfred that's ridiculous <laughs> Catwoman kicks his cane jumps out the window the Catwoman thing is she's good but the I don't know it just still doesn't really feel to me like Catwoman like, everybody liked Anne Hathaway, and I, she did a good job, I guess. But I buy her as a jewel thief. I buy her as, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones from Entrapment. Yeah. But Also I, a jewel thief. Yeah, but not Catwoman. Like, plus, doesn't 
I don't know. It doesn't feel natural. She really, even though she's acting well, she's really acting. Yeah. You know? And then there's no ears in the fucking cat suit. Oh, the only thing that I would have done with uh, Catwoman is I think that she needed a sex scene in the movie. And then I think that, uh, you know, this is getting in, we're getting ahead of ourselves or whatever, but we can start to, like, tear this thing apart. Telly Al Ghul doesn't need to be in the movie, and like she ate up a oh. lot of the things that they should have done with. Here's the, another Cal- character that has that doesn't need to be in the movie. <laughs> all of John his Blake. all of his scenes could have been given to Gordon, who is played by a better actor, and, and had nothing to al- do in this movie. And is already yeah like established part of the story so far. Why have this new guy? Bizarre. Yeah, Gary Oldman's, like, hardly in the movie at all. And he could have done everything that John Blake does in this movie, except be Robin, which which nobody wants. Including, like, if you want to do the twist ending where they turn uh, Bruce uh, Gotham Manor over to, like, the orphans, (laughs) Gordon could have done that, too. I mean, if you wanted to to stretch it. I don't agree with... uh, I mean, I just... uh, Batman retiring just... Giving or Alfred, away. of course, is the guy who does it in the comic book, no? Like who? Yeah, Alfred blows up the house in the, in the comic. But, I don't know, I just think that it kind of... Like, they really go out of their way, like, to make Batman, like, a liberal democratic hero in this. Like, I actually really like Zizek's articles on these movies. Like, he did an article on Dark Knight, where he was the first person who said what I had said about the Joker, that the Joker is actually the hero of the film because he's he's the only philosophically honest person in the movie, mm. and they actually pick up on that in this movie a little bit to their credit, like in talking about how you know this piece that they started is like founded on a lie, which is actually really awesome because it's like kind of Plato's Republic kind of thing, mm. and there's a lot of Plato's Republic in Batman because he's like down in the cave and all that stuff. But, uh, I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. Also, the more I look at this Batcave, I'm like, it's not very elaborate. No. He's got a platform that comes out of the water with a little computer. Yeah, okay, so, I have to, like... I gotta establish my background with Batman and the right. reason why I started liking the character in the first place. Uh-huh. My background with Batman is Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, yeah, where the I computer used... was like a huge yeah. gothic organ. Yeah, I used to watch yeah. Batman the Animated Series every day after school, just before my mom watched Young and the Restless. And I watched it on a little black and white television, and that was the first time I got anything Batman, and it's the basis of everything I understand about the character. Mm-hmm. One of the coolest things I found about Batman the Animated Series is that you could, you got a sense, even from watching one episode, that he's a character that's been around a long time. He's a professional. You go down to the Batcave, he's got all kinds of stuff. trophies from all of the different adventures that he's had. He's got, like, the big coin that, like, Dinosaur. two kids Which, okay, it, all right, you're not going to have that. But, yeah, it means just kind of... It's like they're spending their money where it doesn't matter. Like, all this <laughs> this stupid football thing. Like, right. And all that. Whereas, like, couldn't there be a giant bat computer that's, like, 
exposure to the gas will result in permanent insanity. <laughs> yes, Siri. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, also, Alfred's character does a total 180 in this movie. Right. He's, the, he used to be the instigator. He's the enabler. In the first two yeah. movies, he's like, Bruce is like, oh, I don't know, maybe I should quit, people are getting killed, and he's like, no. Burn down the jungle. Yeah, he's always telling him to do it. <laughs> and then in this, suddenly, he's like, no, you shouldn't be Batman, even though it's proved that he had to be Batman. So the entire thing is pointless, because they totally did need Batman in the end. What could be more selfish than to give up your position as the protector of the city For because you're worried about like having a family? Yeah. Alfred doesn't get to see you be a family man. Aw. Why don't you marry that nice cat woman? It's just so inconsistent. She's a good girl. I have more feelings about Alfred, but I'll save them for later. And the, oh fuck. The okay, so one of the one of the things that I did as like a screenwriting exercise was like I kinda went through and um, worked out my angst about like seeing the movie by like trying to put down ideas about how yeah, I thought I it could be like yeah, yeah. screen doctored. Yeah. And much like you said with Gordon's parts all going to this John Blake character, um, Alfred doesn't isn't given a whole lot to do. That's either. what I was gonna comment on later. Yeah. Because, okay, well, I'll say it now, I and mean, maybe I'll, hopefully I'll have something else interesting to say when that part comes. But they also do a lot of unnecessary duplication of, like, story elements in this. Mm -hmm. Like, he gets his back broken. Where does he get taken? To another kind of bat cave hole <laughs> in the ground. And who's he with? Some I'm, other Some pseudo-Alfred. Right? <laughs> it's just like, why don't you have him break his back in the bat cave, and then Alfred's there? You know, right. or Alfred could, Alfred let, leaves earlier, so he could be like, okay, he's down there with his back broken in the back cave. Yeah. It's a tough situation. Yeah. Right? And then maybe Alfred could do another, like, how he did in Batman Begins, where he comes in with a club and, he's, and he saves him. Yeah. He could, like, come in and, like, pick him up. And I even thought, I mean, Bane's kind of written him off after he paralyzes him for good reason, right? So even if he knows that Bruce Wayne is still in his house... Right. He's paralyzed. Right. So, like, Bane could even come and, like, drop by, and the two could just talk the way the Joker and Batman talked in Dark Knight, with Bane's assumption being that he's paralyzed, so he can just come in and torment him, and Bruce Wayne pretending that he's still paralyzed when he's actually not, and he's starting Scheming. to work through yeah. it, right? Which would have been awesome. Yeah. And the other thing I like about that idea is that you give Alfred the opportunity to be a hero, right? Like, yeah. There was such just a strange, strange beat in that movie where they end up in that in Bane's fortress, which again is another duplicate Batcave. Yeah. And Catwoman like lures Batman into a really basic trap that like Batman should be smart enough to avoid. But it's not a trap because he asked her to take him to Bane. Okay. Yeah. That <laughs> so she didn't betray him at all. So like the the other beat that that I thought would have been more interesting is if you're going to introduce Selena Kyle as being like this high-tech thief, at least give her some sort of harder thing to break into later on. Like maybe yeah. if, if, if they're going to do a beat where Bane breaks Batman's back in the Batcave, yeah. have Catwoman like break into the Batcave. Well, they, I they don't like that security because one of my big problems with this film is that everybody fucking knows that he's Batman by the end of it. 
everybody. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You only want Bane to be able to, to get in. I just would like to see some sort of collaboration between the well, villains. Well, she could have had way more to do because, like you said, like she's another character that's com- see, completely redundant. So, for instance, what they do instead, right? They have Bane is a, some sort of computer hacker guy, and they go to the stock exchange, and they rob the stock exchange, they steal Bruce Wayne's money. Again, that's something that could be done at Ridiculous, Wayne Manor. because, I mean, it was an obvious thing that he should have seen coming because he knows that Daggett sent Bane there. And then he just, like, when he gets home, he sleeps on it? Just, right, he had no idea what was happening, and then after that, he just lets them kick him off the board of Wayne Enterprises, even though he knows basically for a fact that he's been set up at this right. point by Daggett and Bane, which is ridiculous. Yeah, but oh, this is what I wanted to say. Um, like the thing about Batman being a, a liberal democratic hero is like he's protecting private property, like through the whole thing. It doesn't make sense for him to give up his house mm. and, like, give up all his property, you know? Because this is the kind of thing that he stands for, is, like, the rights of private property. Right. You know? He should be more greedy that way. Well, he wouldn't he see it as greedy. He's just, I mean, because he uses it to help, to help people, you know, according to his own logic. But it's just... To have him give away his house, it just that his parents have had for six generations, it just seems like really ridiculous overkill in order to compensate for the weird way that they're demonizing Occupy Wall Street in the movie. Yeah. But also kind of canon because that's where... If he blows it up and then he's like, okay, the house is blown up, but I'm in the cave the whole time with my underground army, that's kind of one thing. Right. But... Having an orphanage, I mean, if you're gonna go back, which, but you don't want a whole thing of orphans right about your back Right. Right. It's just orphans. It's kind of like that part in Batman Begins where he's like, your great great grandfather secretly transporting freed slaves to the. It's like, is that necessary that he did that? Yeah, kind of ham fisted. It's just like, okay, he's the good guy, remember. This is the good guy now. Right. Yeah. Right. And actually, the thing that was good about the other movies, and it's still kind of good about this, is the kind of philosophical play of, like, who's really the good guy and what do they stand for. Like, they all have a philosophical underpinning. Right. Like the Joker did. And you could, even though you're like, yes, the Joker kills people and you want Batman to win, like, you could still be like, well... He's got a point. Mm-hmm. There's a point there, you know. And with Bane, there kind of was too. Except then they completely betray it by like introducing this stupid bomb thing, and uh, and Natalia will be there later. Which just so why can't he just be like the proletariat revolutionary? Like they introduce him to be. To me, that's way more interesting. I thought it was it more interesting in the comic just because. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like Bane he just was a huge fan of Batman. Yeah. And um, Bane had risen to like incredible heights in the criminal underground, and Batman was this celebrity that he had heard about, and he wanted to come to Gotham City to like yeah, challenge himself. That was my original thought before I saw the movie. Was that the point of the movie was gonna which is funny, I mean, because of the way the movie actually turns out. But I thought the point of the movie was going to be that Batman is kind of tragically 
forced to be Batman forever because he's the only person who can handle it. Sure. Like, Bane tries to be, or, like, beats him. He gets to be Batman in a sense because he gets to lord it over the city for a few months. But he, like, kind of starts to crack under the pressure, like, already, and then Batman takes him out. And if, if you have Azrael, which you don't have, what you see again because Azrael can't handle it either because he starts having, like, religious illusions. And in the end of the audio cassette, like, this is cheating, this is me. But Batman's like, you know, the legacy of my parents' murder that makes me the only possible Batman. Mm-hmm. And he's like down there in the cave, and that's just it. Yeah. He's like, he started this thing in Batman Begins, he thought it was short term, but as it turns out, he's created a position that now can't be gotten rid of that's essential for the city now and the only person who can do it is him. Yeah, I think that's the right on. I mean, I remember when they started all of that Batman, the death of Batman and then Batman Inc. and all of that and your fanboy response to it was, I don't give a fuck about Batman unless it's Bruce Wayne. Because the two things are synonymous. Yeah. And one thing that I really liked about the new Iron Man movie, I don't know if you care about the new Iron Man movie, but the writer Shane Black did a lot of dissection with the idea of like, what is Iron Man? Is it the suit? No, it's like it's Tony Stark and an extension uh, of that is like, it's Robert Downey Jr. in the suit and doing the things. Yeah. And as soon as you like start portraying it as like being just art direction and having no like substance and character beneath it, yeah. then you end up with like these dumb Transformer movies. Right? It's ridiculous because it's as if like It's like all the investment that you have in that character, everything that's happened to them in the entire journey is invested in Bruce Wayne being Batman. And the way they try to say the hero can be anybody, like Batman's just a symbol, it's like, okay, there's a symbolic play that he's enacting for the citizens of Gotham, like through a kind of psychological terror that he's using to keep people in line. But for the reader of the comic book, it's like, you're invested, like, that's the whole thing, you know, it's just, if you go back to square one, like, it's nothing. The other thing that I think is crazy is that, so, obviously, not everybody can be Batman. He's a yeah. person of huge perso- uh, personal wealth. Gordon what I was just gonna got say. beat up a bunch of times, and then he's like, you can be Batman? Yeah, right. exactly. What I was going to say is that, like, obviously Batman is a person that's, like, exceptionally wealthy, super smart, all of these things yeah. that make him... Um, the only person that can really do his role. Yeah. But one thing that that inspires people, the the positive lessons to take from that are sometimes you have to have personal responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can't just be anybody. You know that that effect where if you have someone being raped or assaulted in front of a crowd, and people are less likely to do something if they're surrounded by other people. Right. Sometimes you have to be brave enough to say, like, it's got to be me because no one else is going to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I feel yeah. like by having the theme of the movie be like, everybody's the hero, Yeah. you kind of get rid of that. And it also takes away, like, one thing that's incredible about Batman is that there is so many um, singular characters. Like, the Joker is mainly a one-man wrecking crew. Batman is, is kind of a one-man army. Yeah. All of the characters are kind of singular. singular. Yeah. This plus it's it's kind of, there's a lot of fundamental misconceptions about like what people like about Batman in this movie. Like 
even the way they which Robin is a good example like they introducing the Robin character in the comic books and everything I think is kind of based on a fundamental misconception because they're like okay how do kids read this they read it and they're like I wish I could be Batman's kid sidekick nobody wants to be Batman's kid sidekick like when you're a kid you want to be Batman and by the same token you don't want to be told when this you're you're watching this you're fantasizing that you're Batman and then they say any asshole can be Batman mm -hmm. it kind of takes away from like the vibe that you're like yeah, you know it's there's like a special thing like about me and I'm like Batman and I'm like you know I got to do this thing like, like it it doesn't empower you when you hear everybody the hero can be anybody because you're psychologically identifying one character and the idea of the one character being special or being especially suited yeah. to the task. Yeah, and especially when if you're a person that's actually gone through adversity, you know that there's those dark times where you bottom out and you yeah. want like to just leave the responsibility to everybody else. It's like can't somebody else give that speech? Can't somebody else like give their money to the typhoon victims? Can't somebody else take care of this? Yeah. And there's all sorts of times like where you know, your parents say, part of being an adult is you gotta do stuff you don't wanna do. And that's part of the reason why these opening scenes where Bruce Wayne is having a big pity party in the mansion are so disgusting. Like, it's yeah, completely the antithesis of the character. I was watching, I was look, actually looking, because I was so disappointed in the part after he breaks his back in this movie, I went back and looked at the Nightfall comics. And like, there's a part like in the comic right after his back is broken, where they bring him back to the cave, and he really does start moping. He's like, just, and it's dark because it's right after he's, he's paralyzed, right? He's got a brace on. It's the first time he's lost, and, it's, and he's like, he beat me, and like all this and stuff. And even then, Robin like kind of turns away, like, and he's like, why are you acting so weak? It. Yeah, and like stuff like that, which had a dramatic point in the comic book at that because it's like, yes, it's the first time he's lost. And you know he's gonna come back and be awesome. But in this, it's just like, why is he, for eight years, he sits around in his filthy robe and cries about this girl? Mm -hmm. That is not Batman. No, it is not. <laughs> no, it is not. Although I have, I have kind of come around to his magical leg brace. I thought that that was a good device. Yeah. But I thought that... Although you have to wonder, once he goes into that pit, do they just let him keep that leg brace on? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought that it would have been cool. One aspect of the comic books and of, like, the old cheesy 60s series yeah. that I thought was interesting is that Batman has lots of gadgets. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I thought that having the, the mechanical bat suit where he fights Superman and yeah. a couple of other... fights the Predator and a couple of other adventures is an interesting aspect of that because like there's obviously walls that Batman runs into in the DC universe where he like can't. he can't he's not strong enough he can't breathe in space he needs tools to be able to like go on yeah, those yeah. quests yeah. right and so I thought it was really interesting that like okay Batman runs into somebody who's like way physically stronger than him so he's gonna cheat he's gonna start using like prosthetics and yeah. Augmented strength and things. It's right in line with like what's happening in real sci-fi, real technology. You could do it subtly enough that it's not cheesy and dumb. And it also like mirrors Bane's character 
so interestingly because like Bane is augmented and has like this mask and um, you know in this movie they don't do anything with that but in the original Bane character he's got venom pumping through him like artificial steroids to make him super strong so it's really interesting the idea that like Batman has become complacent and using like his inventions and things and maybe he runs into a character but that doesn't work anymore and he has to go back to fundamentals in order to, to yeah, beat him that'd be great True. I thought they were gonna do that with the, maybe do that with the bat suit by the third one, mm -hmm. like strip a little bit of the armor off and like have him realize that he has to rely on his skill and his speed more and get to a bat suit more like the classic Batman suit. Yeah, because I like you. You said the, I think the best thing I've ever heard you say about these movies was that it was kind of the really the Batman Begins trilogy because yeah, for he real. really only gets. Or I thought that he was really only going to get to the classic Batman stage where he is career Batman at the end of the trilogy, like, in his prime. And in the same way, Gotham City gets to that point. Like, we've yeah. been seeing this, like, subtle gradation through the first two movies mm -hmm. where it seemed like as Batman escalates things, the criminals are escalating and things are getting worse in Gotham. Yeah. And I wanted to see the last beat of the movie be like, Gotham is a hellhole, Batman is doomed to like police this place forever, and it's filled with maniacs. But yeah. in the end of this series, like Nolan seems to completely wipe the slate clean and say like, It was. Yep, Batman, that's the end of Batman. He, uh, he's retired. Save the fucking He went day. to Paris. Yeah. That's... Oh, God. Oh, God. It could have been so sweet. There's so many... I have to. I was just fantasizing a bit when you mentioned Bane's, um, the Venom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, before I saw this movie, I thought of so many cool, like the way you could handle that. Like even if you're not gonna make him like get two sizes bigger, they could have done like a Gary PCP. Oldman, like a Gary Oldman thing from uh, from the Professional. You know, he's like ah, <laughs> and he like lifts his head up and does that weird thing. He snorts the. And they could have just gone from like you know like just put a little glycerin on him like to show him like. He just, like, breaks a sweat, and, like, maybe a bit of steam comes off him, and he, like, gets the pump, like, big, like Schwarzenegger. He can stay the same size, but mm. just, yeah, know, get a bit sweatier and steamier, so you see that he's fucking charged. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it, what's great about something like PCP is it's not an overused trope, but it's all in, it's, it's in the cultural imagination, because mm -hmm. there was all of those stories back in, like, the early 90s, late 80s about cops being afraid of people getting high on PCP and being able to flip over cop cars and, <laughs> right. and all that craziness. Yeah. Um, and it also would be an interesting device, too, because it it gives Bane a bit of a um, fatal flaw, right? Like, he's able to go into rage mode and be super strong, but he loses a bit of his control and he's not as rational as he, as he would be. Although that's not the case in the comic. But... In the comic. It could be better than the comic, though, because yeah, like yeah, if you're yeah. going with the idea that Batman's going to go back to fundamentals after... Yeah, yeah, no, I'd be perfectly happy with that. I mean, but, okay, going back to, we just said, like, all these things that would be cool if Bane was more like he was in the comic book, but I was even willing, like, I thought that the, pro the proletarian revolutionary thing was cool, I mean, and certainly timely, and, like, that's one of the good things about these movies is that they have been very much of their time, mm -hmm. like, even in, even as they've been, like, dealing in classic Batman tropes. 
So I was totally willing to accept that he's like a proletarian revolutionary. And in fact, I, I thought like, okay, a lot of the Batman villains, like, you know, when they all have the same, you know, personal motivation to destroy Batman, that's a little bit redundant. So changing his motivation to some kind of like wider political mission mm -hmm. is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. But then you don't just turn around and betray that and just like throw in the dumps like the entire characterization like later on in the movie. Yeah, when Jessica came out of the movie, um, she had a really interesting take on the third act. And the way she put it was like, it's way more threatening and depressing and high stakes to think that like Bane might be the king of your city forever. Yeah. Then it, as soon as you introduce a ticking time bomb where the whole place is going to blow up, the drama goes out the window. Because what are they going to do? Christopher Nolan's going to end the movie by the city blowing up and everybody dying? You, yeah. you obviously know that, okay, this is all going to be resolved. Yeah. Right? Like, it would have been more seductive to the audience, I think, the idea that, like, uh-oh, what if Batman fails? And, like, yeah. Bane... It's just a case of something... Like, it only needed to be there to make it plausible that the federal government wouldn't intervene in the situation. That's all you needed to hear about that stupid bomb. But like they let it take over the film in this ridiculous James but like stupid James Bond way. <laughs> it's just so boring. Yeah, I mean you already had this trope in the second movie where Batman's got a computer that can analyze the entire city and find one guy talking on a cell phone. And then yeah. they can't find a bomb on a fucking truck with nuclear radiation coming off of it and stuff. I was so hoping that that was going to be the back computer. Like, he built two. And, like, so he, like, it was a software just that... Yeah. And, like, but he, like, actually has one in the back cave and he's, like, watching everybody. Because mm. that, I thought, would be, like, so Batman. Yeah, and also like perfect that. because if you're going to set it up where Batman's become a fugitive, what better way to, like cement that than to have him actually doing things that are kind of against the wishes of his, his own team, right? Like Yeah, yeah. You show him kind of... And then, again, it, it can be part of his relearning, you know, these lessons like, yeah. about his mission by the end of it. I right? thought, you know, it would also be like a perfect opportunity, you know... Lucius gave him a great start in the second movie where he gives him all sorts of gear and stuff. By having him still be the mentor character in this movie, right. it, it kind of made me feel he's, like he's doing all the work, and it, Batman is just some frat boy that... Yeah, he's Batman is a real jock frat boy through this series. Actually, that brings up one of the things that... that the weird thing about this movie is, like, I feel like Chris Nolan really wanted to do an ensemble, but what he actually... To do it, what he did is he alienated a lot of Batman's principal, like talents from him and mm -hmm. put them into other characters yeah like yeah batman is kind of supposed to be a scientist and like have these abilities but like they take those out and they give them to lucius fox and then he's also supposed to be a detective but there's not much of that like he he's relying on a lot of other people way it more. it worked in the first and second movies because it seemed like he was learning mm -hmm. right and i thought that where they were headed was by the third one He's picked up Alfred's detective work and Lucius's gadgets, and yeah. 
he ends up in a situation where he's like on the run from the police and he's got to do a lot of DIY kind of stuff, but he's ready for it because he's done. Yeah. I also thought that like they would move the weapons to his house. Of course. To the back cave. What is it yeah. for? Yeah. Oh, there's the magical leg brace. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, I dig it, and I dig that he can like kick through stone and stuff with that. I think. Remember that's, when that's I good. when I wrote my own screenplay and I said there might be that point point where he like punches and just like cracks some tiles or something. Mm. I swear this movie is like so much like. What I wrote about that thing. <laughs> well, don't, don't say that too much. It didn't turn out very well. No, I mean, well, that's just it, right? Like it's kind of pointed out a lot of potential problems. And also, why does Alfred, why is Alfred better at getting information about Bane than Batman is? Like, it seems like he's a better detective. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. Even though he's talking to him as if Bane is like a storied villain in a fairy tale. Yeah, for real. Like, he's like... Well, how, did you, how did you feel about adding the Bane to the League of Shadows? I didn't think that that was a bad idea. But if it... Because it led to adding Talia to the school, the story, I thought that it was a mistake. I didn't feel... I thought it was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't think that it was necessary. Like, it gets into that stupid poetry argument that George Lucas made for like a lot of his dumb decisions. Where like, things are supposed to repeat. Come on, that's not necessary. Like... For it to who says it has to repeat? Yeah. It's a new thing. Because yeah. as soon as you start to tie up all the loose ends like that, you immediately make the story and the imagination of the audience more truncated. Yeah. And, like, one, the thing that people complain about when they talk about something's formulaic, they're, what they're, I think what they're trying to say, or, like, part of what they're trying to say is that real life has ins and outs and coincidences and... Um, complicated things that are ironic or complicated things that don't make any sense or um, I really like this scene though especially this dick here it's, ni it's nice to see him get fucked with oh is he the guy in the back of the motorcycle yeah and, yeah it's funny this is a this is actually a, a pretty great scene I think again like the <laughs> fuck. there is good stuff and that would that it just makes it more frustrating this is kind of what I'm talking about, like, at least Bane is the center of this. Like, he's he's going to take down the stock exchange by himself, kind of. Yeah. That's cool, but I feel like as soon as... These civilian characters, it just bugs me. Like, I don't understand why some other character in the story couldn't have been, like, kidnapped by Bane, you know, so that there's stakes to it. This is one, one of the things that, like, I... The, bugs me like overall in this movie right is that as soon as you take away the a protagonist character in any of these action sequences you immediately eliminate the drama like the best part the most intense part of uh, Batman um, the second Batman movie was that uh, when Rachel and Harvey Dent are tied to the the charges and you know Batman can only save one of them yeah right yeah. You have two principal characters that we have emotional interest in, the center of a gauntlet, and one of them's gonna go, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's stakes, right? When you got a scene like this where Bane is attacking a bunch of 
um, support actors, a bunch of no-name actors, there's no teeth to this scene, right? Like, wh one of the ideas that I thought would have been interesting is, like, if you're going to have uh, Bane attack a plane, right, that's, like, smuggling hostages or whatever it is, put Lucius Fox in there and have right. Bane attack the plane to get Lucius Fox. That'd be fun. Or have Lucius Fox or some other character at the stock exchange that they need them to, like, use the computer codes to to activate the bomb or steal the money or whatever the trope is. Because you end up, like, later on in the story, um, Lucius is brought down to the lair and to activate the bomb anyway, but, like, there's no real reason why... It wasn't interesting how he got there. Yeah, it's true. Especially since it's a Wayne Enterprises bomb, you'd think, like, why does it have to be an outside scientist who knows how to do this? Like, yeah. Although, I should say, okay, up to this point... The movie, if it had a kicked in right after this, perfectly salvageable. Well, perfectly yeah. Fine. That's a good point. We were with yeah. it up until the credits. We were kind of like... Yeah. Uh, okay, it, just give me... Everything I'm seeing is really good, give me the but payoff it doesn't happy. stitch together into anything meaningful. It's just a bunch of uh, well-shot scenes. Yeah, like, I'm cool with this still. And, and in the part right after this where, like, they drive past each other in the motorcycle, that was fucking awesome. And, like, where you start to think, okay, now Batman's back, right? He's going after these guys and whatever. And you're like, okay, fuck, thank God. But then that's, like, the, that's like the last you see. Yeah. Until the, until the end where he is so terrible. Mm -hmm. But I, I do like this scene. I, it's, it's it was very cathartic. It's still very cathartic. It's it's it interesting. Nice. It's staged in the same way that a Mission Impossible sequence is staged to be interesting. Like they decided it would be a really cool kind of thing to have a motorcycle chase and have Batman weaving in and out and yeah that kind of yeah. thing. And it works that way. But Matthew, who the fuck is this police police commissioner that's <laughs> taking Gordon's Modine place? Also that, totally redundant. Like that, that could have been Gordon. Shouldn't have been in it. They kidnap these people who don't matter, and they're driving around. Like, what's Blake doing in this scene? Like, he could have been kidnapped. Any of the principals could have been kidnapped and taken away on Bane's motorcycle and given Batman stakes in the scene. Like, you can't just shoot everybody because you might hit the hostage, you know? There's no... Right. You, you think in New York City these terrorists, like, attack the stock exchange, drive on motorcycles, the, the cops aren't just going to ice them? You know? It's like... Yeah. Well, you do have to kind of accept that the cops are not just pulling out their guns and shooting at people, like, in order for the Batman world to work. Yeah. yeah. So there's, like, I see what you're saying, but, like, I was totally willing to accept all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, from my point of view, like, when you all watch the animated series, there is a lot of gunfire from the cops. Yeah. And the supervillains are able to, to get around that by just being completely outrageous. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like a necessary trope. Like, you need to float a hot air balloon into the stock exchange and stuff just in order to short-circuit the system. Like, they didn't even have plans or contingencies to no deal with that kind of thing. expected that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what this is doing. I don't it's, understand it's what super this... gun to turn what off the lights. What does it do? It's, it's kind of like a low... I think it's kind of like a low-energy... You know when they light off like a, a nuclear weapon in the atmosphere and it kills all of the electrical signals? Have you ever heard of that? But 
it didn't turn off the lights. There were still lights on. It he aims it at lights he wants to turn off. I think. But he just has a little clicker late later that, that turns lights off. Why does he use that huge gun? I don't know. I don't understand what that gun is doing. Yeah, neither do I. Two redundant characters talking uh, about how like they're gonna be in the sequel. <laughs> and here's Catherine Zeta Jones. Although I like when she's like, "What do you know?" Like I thought that was cool because it was like, "All right, so there's a this is the Batman Catwoman dynamic to some extent." Right. So she's aware that he's Batman now. No, she doesn't know he's Batman. Okay. Does she? But she just knows who Batman. She at knows what point, Batman. At what point does she figure it out? When Bane's like Mr. Word, and then oh. she like she does the like I'm sorry eyes. Oh, I see. But oh man, I the way she doesn't take Batman seriously, like she's like you don't stand a chance against these guys. Later, I'm like, in what way does Batman not stand a chance? Like, he's the hero of this movie. He's like done all these amazing things for Gotham. How does he not stand a chance? This is you're hinting at one another major thing that's bugged me about these movies. Yeah. <clears throat> is when you truncate the story down to this level and you say at the beginning of the film that Batman has retired for 8 years. Suddenly, if you just look at the span of these movies, Batman is something that like this Bruce Wayne character did over a summer. Yeah. You basically could rename the story you know, I was Batman last summer. The what I did last summer. What's that stupid movie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and like from that point of view, yeah, it kind of makes sense that Catwoman wouldn't take him that seriously because it's just this kind of freak thing that happened. Does anybody even aware that Batman exists? Like he uh, he attacked a SWAT team and stuff, and apparently he killed Harvey Dent. Like in the reality or like in the. the yeah, minds yeah, of yeah. The, the civilians. Yeah. But um, it doesn't yeah. seem like he rose to that status he, he of being like a vigilante on the loose, and and that's another thing that like in just the way that Bane fights him in the comic, he takes him to the city square, he holds him up in front of everybody, this is your hero. gives him like this speech, <laughs> "Fuck your hero, buy another one, rich motherfucker." Throws and him, he, like, on a throws him down, yeah. and he throws him into the middle of the crowd. So the crowd is just like in shock. He's all just like, Ugh. and then they take him away. And then like, okay, in the book, it's Azrael that beats Bane within the Nightfall storyline continuity. But like, he again, he beats the crap out of him on a cop car in front of everybody, and that makes sense because like the way they're talking about the way they were talking about symbolism in like the other movies in Dark Knight is that like, okay, yes, there's a theatrical symbolic aspect so if that's what they're dealing with is this like theater and symbolism what good does it do to beat Batman up where nobody can see him where no one even knows that he got beat up and then for Batman to beat Bane up where nobody knows that that happened yeah indeed and like you know when I saw the, the trailer with the football stadium I suspected that they were doing it at the football stadium because that's where the the, the breaking of the back was going to happen. Like, Bane specifically targeted a place where there was going to be thousands and thousands of people yeah. gathered staring at, like, a, a specific spot because yeah. he was going to do something 
to yeah. create terror. But, uh, th- like you said, there's there was no reason for that set piece. It's like Nolan chose it because he wanted to do some other movie, and... Yeah. Just, or just do a practical effect and people are supposed to be like, oh, wow, I've never seen a football Stadium field implode. Oh, yeah. oh, doctor. I think that uh, that scene that we just watched of the motorcycle jumping over the car thing, also a really good beat. It's a, it's a, that's, a, that's a really cool idea for a movie. If that had been in a better movie, that would have been amazing. If that had a... <laughs> Had anything to do with anything? I cheered when I was in the audience. I was like, "Yeah!" Yeah. And also, people are like, "Oh, the realism. He couldn't do this or that because of the realism." Look at the fucking heels she's wearing. (laughs) Nobody fights crime. You can't fight crime in heels like that. So if you can do that, then you can do a lot of these other things that I'm talking about. Again, another scene with one principal and, like, two no-name characters that nobody cares about unnecessarily. Like, who is this banker guy He's that was... the guy who brought Thane in for, so he could take over Thane's company. You had a lot of, um... You had a lot of ideas about how both the addition of Talia and, I guess, this other guy, which we haven't really talked about... Yeah. Hiring Bane to be involved, it makes Bane into like another stooge, stooge for like other. Although he kills this guy, so I mean, fine. But yeah, there's not really a reason. For, he's not really necessary. Like the reason why Bane's in Gotham could have been uttered in a sentence or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so many redundant characters. That's the principal problem, and they steal screen time from like the things that matter in the movie. Yeah. Like, the even the breaking of Batman, it just, it comes off like a lot of the things in Revenge of the Sith came off. It's like, okay, these things have to happen, because so we're checking them off the checklist. Yeah, the here fans he, are expecting Here it. he broke his back, like, good, so now we've got that done. But, it just, they don't do it in the right way, where, like, he holds him up and Batman doesn't even scream when he comes down on his knee or anything. Right. And then his back is broken for about five minutes, and then the guy pops it back into place. <laughs> you just needed a good knee. Needed a good pat good, on the a back. Good, a good second knee to the back. A, a good, uh, good job there, fella. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had uh, such a pet peeve with, you know, coming up later in the end of the movie... Talia's relationship reveal with Bane, how like the two of them are best friends and stuff, and he's secretly in love with her, both because of, like what you said, it makes Bane a stooge to the real villain, but also because they have nothing psychologically in common. Like, if you buy anything in the the establishing scenes where Bane is running an army, And he's trying to, like, liberate the proletariat to get rid of the rich people in Gotham and set up his own, like, kind of form of martial law. Although, in fairness, he's already said that that's not really what he's trying to do. He's just torturing them for for no reason. Just to, like, torture their souls for Batman. So does he establish that in, like... He says to Batman when he puts him in the second Batcave. Yeah. Where he's like... I'm faking. So I will 
me, I will feed them hope to poison their souls. I will let them believe they can survive. Also, you can watch them scramble along. I'm like, so I'm like, what? So you're doing all yeah. of this, just... Why? Like, for, for some, like, ridiculous reason that doesn't make any sense. He's an artist. <laughs> yeah. The, well, because I was going to say, okay, so if the plan is you guys are Razzlegal's, um, uh, you're inheriting his legacy, and your idea is to destroy Gotham City, go down covertly and activate that power generator and turn it into a bomb. And just and blow, blow it up. up. And don't yeah. tell anybody, right? Yeah. Talia never reveals that she's a bad guy. She's just an executive that's a mole, and she lets, uh, you yeah. know... And, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Fucking stupid. It's her project. Doesn't she know scientists she can torture to turn it into a bomb? Like, she built the thing. Yeah. Some of this stuff... Some of this stuff has been covered in a really funny way by some of those, uh... Some of the guys who've already released stuff on that, like, yeah. why does she have sex with him? The only reason I can think of for her to have sex with Bruce Wayne, her nemesis, before he goes to fight Bane, is boxing logic. Hmm. It's so he can lose his chi by blowing his load right. before he right. fights Bane. That's right. the only might, way that makes sense. You might want to explain the, the chi theory. Well, it's just the, I think most people know, but it's just the idea, like, Mike Tyson didn't have sex for, like, eight years, right? It's just the idea that, like, when you're about to go into a fight, you don't, you don't come because it relaxes you. Like, it, mm. you lose your killer instinct. Right. So, a lot of boxers, right? Like, they, in the months before a fight, they don't fuck chicks or yeah. anything like that. So, t try to think of a logic other than that, why she would have sex with him. I think Burgess Meredith said it in Rocky. Women weaken legs. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing it could possibly be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That her character doesn't make any. Although sense. I like, I tell you what I do like. I like this scene where he's walking around with the Batman suit on and a cape on. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Although I still wish he was wearing the black eyeshadow all around his eyes. I don't know why they never do that. So we're getting into the worst scene of the movie here. This was in the comic, though. Alfred. Uh, Alfred does leave him. Okay. If he would have come back and rescued him later, that would have made sense. Here's why it doesn't work here. All right. All right. Yeah. As you've already said... Alfred was the enabler in the first two movies. Yeah. It seems like Alfred was completely complicit over the last, like, eight years in the reality of this movie, with yeah. Batman being a sad sack and not doing anything with his fucking life. Yeah. And now he's finally gotten motivated to get off the couch and get it back into shape and stuff. And Alfred's saying, you shouldn't do it! Don't! Don't get motivated don't, again! Don't do something incredible. Don't save the city like I used to encourage you to do. Yeah. Why don't you get a family? Why don't you marry some nice girl and <laughs> go off into the country? Yeah. Ridiculous. Plus, what makes Alfred think that the police in Gotham City are able to handle this new guy? He's Alfred has already been established as knowing a lot about Bane and how dangerous he is. Doesn't he think that Batman is needed in this situation? Yeah, Batman's clearly needed. <laughs> 
I mean, if anything, he should be like, do some more push-ups before you go. Or like, maybe you need an apprentice. Like, if they want to introduce the oh idea that, well, like, oh. you need help, blah, blah, blah. I'll tell more you people what would have been something. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all thought John Blake was going to get killed, right? I thought, like, he was just, uh, they were introducing that character just so he could be a sacrificial victim. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> if they made him Robin or a replacement Batman earlier on in the movie and then Bane kills him, mm-hmm. a la A Death in the Family, mm-hmm. that would have been pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have been down with that. Fuck, I never, that never even occurred to me. That would have been brilliant. Because why the. Oh, he can't be bad. All I see John Blake do is, like, get the shit kicked out of him again and again. Mm-hmm. He never went to Burma and lived in a Burmese prison and learned to fight and went to the League of Shadows <laughs> and learned to be a ninja. He is a cutie, though. God. God! Uh, oh, hey, Lucius. Hey. How's it going? Yeah, I want the paper? And also, like, people are sending Bruce mixed signals. Like, Lucius clearly wants him to be Batman. He's, like, showing him the Batwing and giving him new toys. Smacking asses. Smacking asses in Grenada. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I have no way of convincing the board that Daggett actually impersonated me, even though everyone knows that some fucked up shit went down at the stock exchange, and I have proof that Daggett is working with Bane, who was at the stock exchange. Yeah. In fact, I can basically convincingly prove that it wasn't me who made these trades. Yeah. I'm just going to go and let them kick me off the board of my family's company. Yeah, they, so they touch on that in, in that, the first uh, movie. They touch on that in that, that uh, realistic movie trailers YouTube clip thing where it's like stocks. Uh, Another influence like, you know, this, during it. This, this effect shot. This, why is that necessary? <laughs> They go down to see the main plot point of this movie. The ticking time bomb. Take all this money and put it into the bat cave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's a it's a splitting hairs kind of thing, right? Like, they could have made this power generator be, you know, the core of the bat cave or something. That would have been not bad. You know? And... You know, if you don't want to make it ridiculous, then, you know, people do have a lot of emotional attachment to Wayne Manor and, you know, a little, the neighborhood surrounding the Palisades or wherever Batman lives. Yeah. That could be enough that, you know, they've, they've got to, they're going to blow up Wayne Manor. <laughs> they don't need to blow up the whole city. Well, I, I buy it as necessary to, to explain why the American army doesn't come in. But I feel like that's all you need. You don't need the big football thing, any of that. Just be like, we have a bomb, we're going to explode it if the American army comes in. And then, okay. So now we have a drama that is limited to this city that needs Batman to take care of it. Sure. Or you could avoid that plot hole altogether by just having it the same level of stakes that were in the Joker's terrorist attacks where... It's enough to alert the police, but why would you even think that the military are coming right, in? Right, yeah, which goes back city. to our, uh, like, about him just kind of wanting to be, like, a Batman, a replacement Batman without morals, like a dark version of Batman. Totally. Like, that'd be 
Fine. Because if you think of... But like, I'm always trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, I watch this movie and I'm like, okay, how I will accept that. Yeah. But, okay, moving forward from here, what should have happened right. to rescue this thing? Because, yeah, with it, I mean, they just decided not to go that way. I have all the evidence I need to refute everything you're saying. <laughs> I'm just going to walk out. Who benefited from this transaction? I I know for a fact that Daggett works with Bane, who was at the stock exchange and did all that crazy business, which we all saw on TV yesterday. You're not a billionaire anymore. Fuck you, Bruce Wayne. We've talked about how... There, this movie was almost like a systematic unraveling of every part of Batman. Yeah, <laughs> by the end of it, which he ends up just a regular fucking guy without any money, without any Batman legend, without any anything. It's like tragic in a way that you kind of want the ending of the trilogy to be tragic, except it's not tragic within the story. It's tragic in a meta way for the fans. <laughs> I loved the, I loved how you said uh, when you're headed into the movie. You thought that it was like a slam dunk. You're like, I already have the position on my DVD shelf for the third of this like perfect trilogy. Yeah. How could it go wrong? You got all of the pieces. Tom Hardy is perfect to play Bane after his Bronson uh, yeah. film. Yeah. Um, you've got Christopher uh, Christopher Nolan. You've got. Uh, who, Bale. who did Prestige and Dark Knight and is basically okay we talked about how Inception got less satisfying with each viewing but and you called that before we did but basically at that time I was like this guy doesn't make mistakes he plays it by the book with a good script and just like executes the plan and the Prestige was cool because he demonstrated in that and in Memento that he has an idea about like how to make a third act interesting and put a twist in it but not turn it into like a cheap thing like a night Shyamalan where it's like the mind fuck kind of thing yeah he like he had such an elegant way in the prestige of flipping it around so it's like the villains you've been staring at the villain the, the whole, whole time, time you didn't, didn't realize right and you kind of felt like the th same thing was going to happen with Batman where it's like oh my god he's kind of in this like totalitarian kind of position where yeah he's he, I still think like he's like Augustus Mm -hmm. Like, in the Roman Empire, where, like, the Republic is crumbling, he comes in and creates the position of, of Emperor, and then, but he leaves a succession problem for after he dies, because no one else is quite qualified the way Augustus was, but it, it's, yeah, it was, it's an interesting way to think of it. I mean, you don't have to, but, like, because I like Roman history, I like thinking about it. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he just goes to Florence. And why is this friend of her? His her friend is a completely annoying kind, which kind of makes me question whether Catwoman is really that great. Right. I like that she's poor. Um, yeah, that's fine. I wonder where she got all of her high tech. Well, she stole it. I burglar guess. gear. I assume she stole it. Did she just keep it in the drawer with like all of her? thrift store clothes? Well, <laughs> Does she have a vault for Batman it? Batman said that like she, in this he says like it's a modest place for a master jewel thief, which means that you're probably in deep with the wrong people. Like she's trying to lay low or something. Right. Which, right, right, right. Okay. 
Yeah, she has some sort of weird history where she's yeah, gotten indebted. But they don't pay that off at all. No. They don't pay that off in the least bit. Like, Bane you know, almost completely forgets about Catwoman. You know what they should do? She doesn't they even should get one of the do. greatest actors ever and then just put him in a fucking hospital bed and <laughs> not, not act at all. Gary just Oldman waste him. in a hospital bed with his understudy. Matthew Modine from Matthew Full Metal Jacket. You know, Matthew Modine, he doesn't get a lot of work. I and, actually uh, met Matthew Modine. Holy shit. Yeah. He's nice. He had, uh, he was on Boing Boing Squeak a couple of, a couple of months ago talking about, like, his, he re- released a photo book of photos from Full Metal Jacket with different notes about how great Stanley Kubrick was and stuff. Right. I think he kickstarted it. But anyways, Matthew Modine, useless yeah. character in this. Useless character number five. <laughs> yeah, what? it's beyond useless though, because because the other characters needed something to do. Yeah. Why is this happening? <laughs> the boxing logic is the only thing that can explain it. Talia. And yet he doesn't care that he lost a billion dollars, from a gajillion billion. It's only money, Todd. It's only the money that was funding his entire Batman adventure, which he doesn't even want to be part of. I love how the photo that he has of Rachel is taken from a still in the, still in the, <laughs> the film. previous movie, which is on a dinner. <laughs> he saw Dark Knight too. He put that out of a magazine. That's a good picture of Maggie. She doesn't have a lot of great shots in that film. And I'm sad, but I'm still going to fuck this chick. Alright, I'll give you a job. I still work at Maybe he just needed a he just needed a he's like sleeping beauty, he just needed a kiss to wake him back up. Maybe she she's plotting revenge and stuff, but it's kinda it's kinda like she's just doing her duty. She's like also there's this beautiful man here that's gonna take advantage of this before he's he's emotionally confused, so I'll (laughs) she's just a she just has a but this is really like this is going to get into why Talia's character, like you said, if we give it the benefit of the doubt, uh, Talia's character doesn't make any sense and shouldn't have been in the movie yeah. and shouldn't be doing what she's doing. She goes on about like how she has a father that she's got a mysterious is estranged scar and... from her, and she's got a lot of like daddy issues because she was abandoned or something, and then. Later on, it's like, oh no, I, I'm on a revenge quest, and you killed my dad, and now I've got to, like, continue his work and, and kill the guy that killed my dad. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what? Your dad? <laughs> what? Okay, now having totally lost his G. Right. <laughs> He's all chillaxed. Yeah. Um, we could get okay. into feminist territory a little bit with that previous scene, too, in that this movie fails that... What's that test called where, like, if the lady doesn't talk... Or if they don't have a motivation beyond the... You need to have two female characters that have a conversation alone that's not about a man. Right. And this movie fails that. She kind of just shows up. Yeah. She fucks Batman and then betrays him. She only wants to do what she's doing because of her, her dad, who's another man. Yep. 
do you see? Take me to Bane. Okay, yes, I can do that. <laughs> sure thing. And she even warns him. Be careful. He's not your average problem. Yeah. Okay, Batman confidence, so clearly it wouldn't be a betrayal for you to lead him right to Bane. This is one of those rare scenes where Batman walks to where he's going. You remember how there was right. a couple of things, times in Batman Returns where he was like walking around town and you're like, that's, that's yeah. weird. <laughs> Although a little this bit. This is great. Yeah, that's Him hopping through the shadows and serpentine that shit. I like this. this that's cool. And he swoops down. All right. I guess maybe he just didn't want that door closed. Wait a minute. Why would you close that door? But she doesn't pay for it in any yeah, regard. Yeah, it's not that serious mistake. She gets There's no stakes for Catwoman because you're so in anything forgetting. in the story. She gets away completely scot-free. This is cool. I don't know why it's not in the Batcave, but it's pretty cool. You can't fuck everything up, right? Like, you got yeah. Tom Hardy, you got Batman's gonna get... They have to fight at one point. At least the lighting is dark, so that's cool. I don't think Batman had to be a total pussy in this, though. He could have been a little tougher. Like, this is a little bit on the pathetic side. He gets an ass-beating. Yeah, he, he I, didn't need to be a total ass-beating. Well, I mean, it could have been in... If you were going to do a comeback story where, in the third act, Batman really beats the shit out of Bane. Yeah, not and just And figures a out a clever way to... Earn that, yeah. but he doesn't learn anything in the fucking movie. He attacks him in the same dumb frontal assault that he, that got him injured the first time. Yeah. But this time it works because he punches his mask off or something. Yeah, and I just I remember like watching that first Batman Begins where Liam Neeson is like, "We can teach you how to fight six hundred men," or like. And I was like, oh, that would be awesome. He probably, like, would teach him to, like, be up in the gargoyles and, like, throwing sound and, like, using, like, diversions and crazy shit, right? Like, to control a crowd psychologically with terror, right? But what does he do? Okay, then the situation comes up in the third movie. What does he do when there's this whole riot? Gangs in New York style. Walks out into the middle the of the crowd. You beat up the leader, in, then the whole riot stops. In broad daylight. It's not like a bunch of Bane's guys are going to like be stabbing you in the back while you're trying to it's fight. It's not like some asshole could just run up to you from the side and stab you. Yeah. And ironically, that's where he ends up. He ends up getting stabbed in the back, but yeah. after all of that melee... Yeah. For no reason. I, I don't say... I wouldn't say all of that melee because it was about two minutes of screen time. Yeah. <laughs> I, although they, they could have eliminated those redundant characters and had a super sweet 25, 30 minute, like, awesome Batman Bane fight yeah. up on a building Rocky. where people can still kind of see, you know, maybe Crow style where they run along buildings a little bit and they're fighting each other, like... That's cool. Hmm. 
That's all this is great. Breaking his his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sticking to what you were saying about justice, just going along with the choices that they made, it is cool that they say that he has access to Batman's technology now. I like that idea. Not that it, it plays a part in this movie at all. Yeah. It just doesn't translate into any kind of stakes that Batman has to overcome later. Yeah. This is the best part of the film, though. Okay, now hold him there for a while. Maybe get a few views. Oh, alright. Oh, there it is. That's what you were waiting for. Yeah, so now, we'll now we'll just move on. I'm not even curious who he was. I don't even care about Batman. <laughs> That is cool, but that I mean, was easy. It could have. This walks away all in a day's work. Dispose of him. <laughs> Take him across the planet. Place him in a cave remotely similar to his own Batcave, with a well the same as the old, the same well as in his own Batcave, except larger, because he's a man now instead of a child. <laughs> You know what? Since he has a bat wing, it also would have made perfect fucking sense if the well had been like enlarged in the actual bat cave so, so that the bat wing could bat come out of it. In, yeah. So then he could have still climbed up that thing to get into the house, you know, where he could, I don't know, make a phone call or something. Do you think that some of these story tropes are so obvious that you could get to the point with these comic book movies where you could crowdsource it? The fans tell you what is supposed to be in the movie, and they tell well, you what is retarded in, a sense in the script. They, in a sense, they already did, yeah. because they bought a. It's one of the best-selling comic book series of all time. Right. Right. It's so not perfect, put, though. Nice it's, is not perfect. by no means because because comic books a different beast, right? Like yeah. they have to stretch this to two years. They got to stretch it to two years. They got to include a lot of characters. There has to be an adventure every issue. Years. You know, like so, it's not. It doesn't have the same needs of concision that a movie does. So, yeah, there's a lot of loose, sloppy storytelling in that, too. But at least when they do the thing, when they, they know at least what the important things are. Totally. Wants to see. So, I guess we could touch on, like, some of the things that I really liked about uh, the, the original comic book was, A, Bane was aware from the beginning that Batman was very formidable. He, yeah. His reputation had preceded him worldwide that Gotham has a protector, he's this like ultimate badass, yeah. and it's something to aspire to. Bane comes to town, he's like, okay, we gotta approach this strategically, yeah. because we res I respect Batman. Right? Yeah. None of that is like... Nobody fucking respects Batman. So, first thing Bane does in a diabolical way, he's like, we're going to go into Arkham and we're going to blow that place up, or at least all of the villains all at once on Batman. Yeah. We're going to wear him out, make sure he's tired. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, once, like, Batman has gotten to a position where Bane can defeat him, it's not just about, like, breaking the man, they need to break the legend. So he makes sure he, like, defeats Batman in public, like you said, on top of the building. Yeah. Throws it down, make sure all the reporters see Batman yeah. broken. Yeah. In that way, 
it doesn't even matter if like uh, he if his body is recovered and he's taken away to recover and stuff. What's the worst that can happen? Round two? Bane would welcome that, of course. All right, let, let him get back into shape. In the meantime, I'm gonna like run this place. But no. <laughs> instead. Instead, this. Instead, he kind of like defeats this, Batman as this, a lark. This is where he tells him that his his entire thing about revolution was bullshit. So. There's, there's something really amateur about a beat like that, and I want to say, like, I'm not saying that, like, we're smarter as screenwriters, I'm just saying, like, as an amateur screenwriter myself, right. I find, like, I've made this mistake, too, like, where you're worried that your character is going to be too one-sided, is going to be too focused, so you want to make him more interesting by giving him a contradiction. Right, where you say like, oh, he's kind of like a, a revolutionary. He's gonna like lead the proletariat, but he's not really like that. That's just a, a scheme to right. fool them. Yeah. All the places he, he's really gonna blow them up, and it's the opposite of the, the thing yeah. from before, just to like make the character more surprising. Yeah. But it's like dumber. Because yes, it's just okay. So then that absolves me from having to debate any philosophical issue between these different ideologies, like. That we've brought in. You know, I don't have to think about the fact that the Batman is an aristocratic hero and what does that mean. and Especially, like, you know, the, the fact that he beats up on poor people rather than going after white, white-collar criminals. Because Bane is going to detonate a nuke and clearly that's terrible. And also, at this point, why does she need to keep up the ruse that she is not Talia That's a small thing. That's like a whatever. Yeah, okay, so she walks into this thing. She knows Bane's in there. He's in charge All she needs now. is, like, Talia and Lucius. So why don't they go directly to the vault? Or why didn't Bane just, like, kidnap Lucius directly at the beginning of the movie and then have to go down to the thing with Talia and activate the bomb? Yeah... I thought that, like, in my, uh, in my, uh, in my, like, crappy ideas about, like, how to improve the movie, I thought that it would have been more interesting, if you're gonna do the whole Bane-Talia thing, for them to have a falling out. Because yeah. it makes sense if, like, is in a death cult the same as her dad, then, okay, that she's gonna blow up the city. But Bane doesn't have to know that. I, th I feel like Bane would be, like, an egocentric guy if he's trying to become a strong man. Right. And is in... I just, to me, it's just like, the whole Bane being ruled by a woman is, it's the same as in Batman 4, with Poison Ivy and Bane. It's just like, okay, a, a slightly more well-done version of the same idea that pissed me off in Batman 4 by Joel Schumacher. Like, you, you, you don't belittle the guy who broke Batman's back, like, that's a big deal, like, we have to, you have to respect that character as much as you should be respecting Batman. I mean, we're not doing either in this case, so. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about uh, the wall climb idea? Do you think that that could have been done in the, 
in the back cave. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The well could have been enlarged in order to like get the bat wing out, and for some reason he could have had to climb up there in order to get access. Let's say access to food supplies or whatever. I don't mind that there's other dummies that are trying to get out either. It, it demonstrates the stakes. The but scene, Bane has a lot of people he could throw down in that pit with Bruce Wayne. Like, there's no reason why. The scene on its own, like, is cool. And I let, it's a very simple, like, mechanism of, like, okay, he has to, like, recover his spirit and get out of the cave. It's fine. And, like, the music's very inspiring. And then when the bats come out of the wall as he's doing it, you're like, that's pretty awesome. But it just doesn't, it's just not necessary, and it doesn't help the story. Makes it very, very, it's, a, it's an awkward fit, because like the only reason that they said it in the Middle East or whatever is they're trying really hard to tie it back to League of Shadows and Rezogul's backstory and bring in Tully and stuff. If it had been in the pit, it would have been a much more elegant kind of thing to to have newscasts and stuff from Gotham City as opposed to like being via satellite there yeah <laughs> and there's still working journalists in the post-apocalyptic Gotham like doing live via satellite news feeds to the rest of the world well I guess it's from outside the the news only shows like stuff from really far away but yeah it's awkward and, and like, okay, even if you wanted to have Batman is going to end up establishing like an underground army, what better way to like start that off by having him injured and in the center of Gotham and having to have rely on like scouts and things to kind of like bring him information or people visit the place because they wonder like where, what happened to Batman? I don't know, like there's opportunities for... Connections really where, like, he needs to rely on other right. people to get you know, information cat, cat or maybe or whatever. But I don't know. I just really think that it should have been just him paralyzed in the Go back on, cave man. with Alfred getting better. Take them up to the surface. They, I, I'm really surprised that Nolan made the same, like, third comic book movie mistake that all third comic book movies make where it's like okay we have to blow up the bu the bubble a little bigger like we gotta the effects have to be a little bit bigger and the stakes you know it has to be huge and for the stakes of the world and there has to be more villains than before and all this like for all the there is some sophistication in this and it's there's cool parts but it's still the same essential problem as you had in like Spider-Man 3 and every third movie there's just it could have been more intimate, because it's not a... You know, no one cares if he goes to India. It could have just been Bane and Batman. We, we can probably touch on and dissect a lot of these scenes, like, beat for beat. Like, who is this Dr. Pavel? Why is he important? Why isn't Lucius changing the bomb into a bomb? Why isn't he changing the power source into a bomb? Is there some sort of way where you could have set it up where Bane's rule is so terrible that Lucius wants to blow up the city, like, or wants to blow up Bane, well, or, pretty, like, some sort of, like, reason to give a, a main character a moral conundrum, or, like, some sort of right debate, or some sort of conflict. There's no... 
But he, all they had Lucian, all they had Morgan Freeman do was walk up and like press his thumb on a pad and then walk off the screen. Like he used to, he must have been so bored during the making of this. Yeah. What are you doing? You what just are you killed that guy. Hey, you shot him. He's dead. Shot the witness. He's dead. <laughs> Guns killed. What? You. <laughs> Oh my god. They already, they're gonna blow up the football stadium now, right? Another, why is that a strategic target? I don't know. I don't <laughs> I like that he releases the prisoners. That's interesting. That's cool. Joker yeah. blowing up Gotham Police Headquarters was interesting and strategic, but I don't understand the football thing. I don't understand the football thing or why the bridges are important. Especially if you're dealing with like the Well, because he doesn't want people to get off of the uh, get out of the island. So For what reason? Because, well, right, well that's the whole problem with having him doing this only to blow up the city later. Uh, he wants to make sure there's as many casualties as possible when he blows up the city? I guess because everybody would just leave. But he could have just kept it a secret and blown up the city and had everybody inside. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. He go he goes out of his way to Tell create everybody. panic and try to make everybody leave before he decides to destroy the city. <laughs> I like his character design. I like like how he's he's kind um, of like even like his jacket is kind of like a French Revolution coat mixed with all this like high tech gear. Mirror eyeshadow. Rapid City. I, I think that's. Is that the city where the Flash is? I, it might be. Oh, uh, that's cool. They're really, really straightforward, too. Yeah. Flash is from Rapid City. Alright. I didn't. It's so weird because, like, you go. You can think of 10,000 ideas of scenes that Bane could have been in. And things that you want to know, like, what he's interested in, and what he does when he's not scheming, and, and yeah. what his, like, his goals were, and, like, what his past is, and they don't do anything like that. This bit, like, in Dark Knight, there were... It was almost like Silence of the Lambs, in the sense that there was about five or six good six to eight minute chunks of the Joker just talking to Batman or to whoever kind of talking about his, his philosophy, philosophy and his motivation yeah. and in this they don't really have that it's just one crazy business after you know what I I could have accepted that if Bane was doing things that were really closely tied to his character so I'm trying to think of like other strongmen in movies where what's another good like strongman villain in movies? I don't know any of the villains in the Rocky movies. Even Drago? <laughs> from the fourth movie? <laughs> yeah. From the fourth movie. <laughs> I guess what what I wanted to see is like I wanted to see Bane being the epitome 
of you know the comic book version of of like the Schwarzenegger villain from Pumping Iron, right? Where like when you watch that movie, clearly Arnold is like the thinking strongman, and he's figured out a way to strategically destroy all of his opponents. Right. He has that great scene where he's talking about like how he's mentoring the Italian bodybuilder, but really he's doing it so that he can yeah, that's a fantastic give him bad advice and then end up defeating him in the end and it's funny like he's Schwarzenegger's got this great like pompous um ego but like it's also so appropriate because he is on top of the world and he's a giant strong man and yeah. he's having fun and he's winning and he's he's defeating the competition and stuff like yeah. I didn't really see any kind of like connection between like Bane and the classic like Russian strongman, where it's like he's he's the epitome of of all conquering males, right? Like he, it's not just enough that he's like a conquering warlord. Like he's also got to be super strong, and he's also got to be like manly in a lot of different ways and stuff. But you didn't really like get any glimpses of that. Like I don't understand like why Bane even needs to be physically strong in this movie at all. Other than the fact that he beats up Batman. He beats up Batman with his hands, but he could have shot Batman. He could have... Um, well... He could have gassed him. He could have poison gassed him in that right. room. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't... So, I guess. I mean, that, like... I do kind of like the Tom Hardy character. I mean, the, the plot doesn't work with him at all. I agree with that. So, like, for instance, uh, if they had have staged the opening thing in the movie... Where instead, like, if the CIA plane is going to be attacked by somebody, that's an outlandish idea that a terrorist could take on, like, the CIA. But Bane is, like, formidable enough that he does it single-handedly. Right. Disables all of the See, they, agents. He needs more physical tasks to be... That's his yeah. style, right? In the same way that the Joker always has, like, a, a twist where, like, he uses people's resources against themselves. Bane is just formidable enough that he's able to, like, be a one-man wrecking crew... But it's also a fatal flaw because he can't rely on anybody else. Like, he's going to uh, run into situations where he can't muscle his way out. Or Yeah, they could have given him a bit more of that. It's not a consistent character characterization, I don't think. Mm. I don't buy that that a guy that is like... I don't buy that like he's a physical presence like this that doesn't really use his physicality that often. I don't buy that he's clearly an alpha character that is also suicidal and like uh, has puppy love for a chick that doesn't do anything to reciprocate it. Right. Yeah. He's clearly like theatrical, like he likes talking and giving speeches and stuff to people, but he sets up like kangaroo courts and things that's kind of silly and crazy, but... I love that kangaroo court. And I love that Scarecrow is the guy running it. Scarecrow, it could have been Joker too if he Ledger had been alive. Well, I don't know about that. Joker's a little too prestigious. He's prestigious, but like the uh, given some. He's one, he's thing. also one of those. He's also got a part of his character where he's willing to play along for situations like that, where he thinks that it might give him an opportunity to completely sort circuit the whole thing. Yeah, but then. You have to movie. you have to make allowance for him to short circuit the thing and then do all that because as soon as you introduce Joker, people are like, "I wonder what the Joker's doing." <laughs> Fuck Bane. Yeah, 
He'd be a perfect person to uh, to turn that bomb on, I tell you. <laughs> or turn it off. <laughs> that would be interesting. What? The Joker turned the bomb on? <laughs> what? Jesus! Oh! 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 <laughs> that would be funny. I love that uh, that beat where... Wasn't there a comic book where the... There's like a league of supervillains. They all got together. Yeah, and then he betrays them. <laughs> he betrays them all. I've, I, I feel like Nolan has kind of fallen in love with his own legend. This is the problem that I think when you... I mean, it's hard to avoid, but when you get directors who don't... They're not really Batman fans. Hmm. As they get... And I don't know... You have to get a good director, and how easy is it to get a good director who's also a Batman fan? I don't know. But uh, they kind of like, they start out, he kind of starts out and uses Batman as a vehicle to advance his own career. Yeah. But because he's trying to advance his own career, he's not that popular director at the beginning, he realizes to advance, he has to make a great Batman movie. And like, so it's true to that. But then as he as people start thinking he's a genius, he seems to care less and less about what the tropes of Batman actually are. Mm. And like what that character is, and more on just like I'm Chris Nolan and I wanna like Chris Nolan a Chris Nolan a movie has to have a twist. It has to have like all these practical effects that are yeah. you know. It could be that or and it could also be that because he's not a super Batman fan. He's just cherry-picking tropes that are in the comic books and not realizing that there's a hierarchy to those tropes. So, like, he does... There is, you know, stuff in the canon for all of the, the things that they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Robin is supposed to be Batman's understudy, and... That's... But, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I, I think what was disappointing to me, and... Where I thought you were going with this was that it seemed like when you watched the first two movies, if you were a fan of Christopher Nolan from Prestige and from Memento, you felt like there was a magic trick that was going on, where it was like, okay, we're gonna start off making like a really gritty, realistic kind of Batman movie, right? And then in three moves, we're gonna turn it into like a crazy comic book thing. Like it will be, will hit the pitch by yeah. the end. Where, like, you start cashing the check, and you start saying, like, this isn't Chicago anymore, this is Gotham City, and we understand, like, why Gotham City is so fucked up in the comic books, and why it's, like, so post-apocalyptic, and why the cops are so corrupt, and weird, and paramilitary, and, like, why Batman is necessary. Yeah. And instead what you got was, like, the build-up of the first two movies, and then the unraveling in the third movie, so that it makes, like, an up-and-down kind of arc, where you end right. up in the same spot at the end of this movie as you were in the, the beginning the first of the How does anyone know that that actually is Jim Gordon's speech and not something that... That the maniac terrorist just made up? Yeah, why are they implicitly trust that he that this is actually Jim Gordon's speech? And why do the average... Gothamite after eight years even know who Jim Gordon is or who Harvey Dent was after eight years. This is a fast media style. It's like, well, eight years. Oh, right? Huh? What the fuck? 
this is cool though. I mean, like, if he if he would have just if he was serious about any of this, it would have been cool. Like, cause that okay, that's the lie. Like, which is like in Plato's Republic. Like at the end of it, he talks about how like we can only hold our perfect society together if we tell men this lie that they have this implicit. What's the context of that? What's the lie? He doesn't go into it. like, except to say that like, the lie is that they have these special different grades of metal in their souls, which like justifies the hierarchy in society. They like the, you know, so it's like just like a foundation. The idea of a foundational lie that a society is based on. Like you could look, think of the idea of the dignity of man and the hu and human rights and like the foundational principles of like. Uh, democratic liberalism, right? As like a, a foundational lie okay, that, well, that builds can, a society. Okay, okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, you want to do that? The way you do, do that it is like you set up. You come off the first movie where Batman's a vigilante. Mm -hmm. You you set up so that Batman's been like constantly pursued by cops while trying to um, cage all of the maniacs that were created by the fear gas from the first movie and then in the the second act of the movie you have a broken batman being put on trial by bane and saying like this is the vigilante that we've been chasing all this time guess what he's the richest fucking town and blah 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 and like what should we do with him and you have like a kind of although mass revolution should we give it should we let out all the people that he's put right. in jail yeah Although, I can't get behind revealing Batman's identity. So you keep his mask on, <laughs> whatever the fuck. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I can't touch my support. Everybody I finds out he's Batman. I mean, anyway, yeah, right? everyone knows in this movie, but that's a, pr that's a problem. Anyways, but I see what you mean. Yeah. But I think it was enough this in the comic book to throw him up and, like, it just has to be in front of everybody. Okay, so he breaks his back and that's the punishment. But what I'm saying is if you want yeah. to tie it into, like, the big lie or whatever. Right. He could have been held to that a little bit more in public. Yeah. No, that's a good idea for sure. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me that, like, people would openly revolt because a district attorney from an American city yeah. was murdered under false pretenses and then laws were passed to put gangsters in jail. And Everyone's just going to say, like, well, if he was a bad guy, then we should let all the gangsters out. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. He didn't even... He didn't even <laughs> That's not a means to an end. He didn't even smoke crack. <laughs> yeah, I guess Gotham is a very civically oriented city. <laughs> Riches. Let's burn this fucker down. Harvey Dent wasn't an angel. I just, I guess the reason, uh, you know, aside from the fact that everybody would find out it was Batman, there's something very powerful about the idea that this demonized vigilante right, that yeah. they've been building up happens to be the richest guy in town. That would make everybody revolt and, like, start attacking yeah, rich people. Yeah, totally. I mean, if, uh, it, yeah. If it's you wanted just... to do a class warfare thing. Yeah, no, it would be cool, except for the fact that you can't really feel Batman's identity. I think it's enough, like, to, like, hold him to account for the Harvey, all the Harvey Dent shit when he's holding him up, like you said, and then 
tie that into the big lie when he has him up like that, that's probably get the point across enough. Here's Alfred number two. Doing that great screenwriting faux pas of like just completely expletive dialogue where he's just, well let me tell you what's really going on here, Batman. Let me explain that in the form of story. <laughs> There once was a man named Ra's al Ghul, and uh, he had a pregnant wife, and somehow she ended up in jail. But and I should probably clarify that it wasn't Bane, it was actually this chick. <laughs> <laughs> she had a protector, his name was Bane. I mean, <coughs> what? Shit. <laughs> probably shouldn't have said that at this juncture. And why are all these guys wearing rags that cover their faces. Yeah. They're just in a prison here. They all had leprosy. I also thought that it was a shame that they didn't do a crazy fan of the opera thing with Bane where like he gets his mask pulled off and he's got a skull face or something under there. <laughs> Some reason why he's weakened by the fact that he doesn't have a mask. If you're not going to turn it into like a if it's not gonna be PCP uh Oh, let's, let's fix his back. Here we go. Ha! Oh! Don't worry, buddy. We should have clocked that. How much time was that from when he got his back broken? Well, we are at 1 hour and 44 minutes. And I think that he got his back broken around... So half an hour? Yeah, maybe a half hour. He was on the outs. Has a hallucination with another explanation. Although it's bizarre because Lee, <laughs> I don't know. No one. I, this is just the thing with me. No one else would care. But Liam Neeson is noticeably aged since Batman Begins. Yeah, his why ghost is, is aged. Why is his ghost aging? I don't know. That's just another. Don't I, don't bring those elements back. I mean, everybody remembers. This. <sighs> yeah, it, it's a funny thing. Like I, I thought that. Um, Batman, uh, the second movie, The Dark Knight, did a good job at moving on. There yeah. wasn't a whole lot of like retreaded ground, and I really like that about sequels when they just go on to the next thing. Yeah, you know how Indiana Jones, you know, he's in the jungle and stuff, and he's the uh, oh, the first movie's mostly in Egypt. Indiana Jones in Egypt, the second movie. New girlfriend, new adventure, new thing. Yeah. It's moving on. It's next yeah. movie. Um, I really just wish it doesn't it have to be completely episodic, but I think it like as a screenwriting rule, it would have just allowed them to not be so formulaic and try to tie everything together in a fucking bow. Yeah, I hate that. God, if only it could have been just. All I wanted was like them to get. To the Tim Burton ending of the first 1989 movie, but just having taken three movies to get there. That would have been perfect. You yeah. just could have been standing on the building with a symbol in the air, and you're like, that's fucking Batman in the end. Magnifica! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think it might be a kind of a fun thought experiment to think about how many other loose ends they could have tied up. 
Like, had Heath Ledger not died, could he have been, like, Batman's brother or something, or... Oh, God. He's <laughs> Could, uh... I don't know, could maybe Robin could be Jim Gordon's son? He's a strange son. Joker becomes Robin. Yeah, Robin is just the Joker in disguise without his face paint on. Yeah, he, had like, he had like surgery to fix his <laughs> smiley face. They did that in the Spider-Man comics. Apparently Dr. Octopus is Spider-Man now. He got his brain put into Spider-Man's body. Really? <laughs> That's Marvel for you. <laughs> yeah, they're crazy. So we get into uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt mini-featurette in this, in this movie. <laughs> he didn't... Bale, like, you can also, I hate to say it, but I feel like you can sense, just by looking at Bale's physique, that he was not taking this movie as seriously as he took his chance in Batman Begins. Right. Like, he's clearly decided he's an Academy Award winning actor, because he's just not nearly as big. <laughs> and then they put this guy to compare him to. Yeah. This huge muscle man that's down in the fucking pit starving to death. Yeah. And yeah, why is he, how can he build himself up with push-ups when he's not getting enough protein in his diet in prison? Who's but, this blind guy? Uh, I don't he's know. He's the last person to he's remember the guy that somebody has dramatic gravity to see. <laughs> but yeah, it's a yeah, I mean visually if you forget about everything else, it's a cool scene, I guess. Oh, there goes your back again. Yeah, that, okay, that would have torn you probably in half. Your back wasn't broken before. Going back to uh, what I was saying about the importance of adding, like, principal characters to each of the scenes. Yeah. This w this whole sequence would have been so much better with uh, Michael Caine. Oh, God, yeah. He could have been training in the back cave. But the reason it doesn't make any sense, and the reason I think they painted themselves in the corner, is, like, the early scenes don't make any sense if you put Michael Caine in this situation. Because he has to be the enabler. Yeah, no, it's a total 180 for Michael Caine. But I mean, even like, I could have accepted like, okay, Michael Caine, he comes back and he's like, all right, I guess we do need, I at least need to help you cover your broken back. So I'll help you out. Yeah. You know? Do you think that there's something dumb about him escaping the cave and making that leap of faith? How like, it, it's just a matter of will. Because, like, you've already established that this story, Batman's physicality is not enough, you know, to defeat Bane. He's, he's met his match when it comes to that uh, area. I felt like there should have been, like, some sort of metaphor at work when he was escaping this cave, this tunnel, uh. where it wasn't just about, like, him believing in himself. <laughs> well, no, I don't really have a problem with that, because, I mean, the whole... Comic books are all really Nietzschean, which is all like about like the triumph of the will. Yeah. And they do say, like Razal Will says in Batman Begins, he goes like, the training is nothing. The will is everything. Mm. Right? Yeah. So that is part of it. I mean, they go a little bit much in this movie with like they they try to ham fist a lot of Obama themes in here. Like, <laughs> with hope and like all this stuff, which is not important and not part of Batman's thing. Totally changed. I don't think there is any hope in Gotham. Right. 
And certainly I don't think Batman represents hope to anyone mm-hmm. because he's terrifying. Right. Or he's supposed to be. Right. So there's that stuff. All the hope and all the Batman can be anybody. Yeah. That stuff sucks. I was going to make a point. Uh, recovering his will, I'm, I'm cool with that. I was going to make a point about, um, we were talking about uh, the sequence where Bane breaks Batman's back and he's referencing a lot of the League of Shadows stuff that we went over in the first movie. Yeah. The reason that is troubling is like, we've already seen that scene before. Batman, Bruce Wayne is fighting um, Ra's al Ghul, Liam Neeson, on the ice. And he's trying to do a frontal assault, and it's not working. Mm-hmm. And Liam Neeson teaches him that sometimes you have to think strategically, and he tricks him, he breaks yeah. the ice, Batman falls in the ice. Yeah. Later on in the movie, uh, later on in the series, Batman's in another situation where the Joker has gotten the best of him, and he tricks him by using like his uh, gauntlet mechanical thing. gauntlets right. and fires it in his face. Yeah. Move on to the Bane fr- frontal assault ends up like getting Batman's back broken. You'd imagine um, that they were going to continue with the trope where he's like, "Okay, Batman cannot be beaten. I'm he's going to come back and he's going to figure out a new clever strategy to learn from his mistakes and get better." Mm-hmm. And I felt like climbing out of the cave would have been like the first kind of demonstration of that, where it's like if you've got a trope where people try to make this jump and grab onto a brick and they fall to their death. Right. There has to be some sort of elegant way to get out of the pit where it's like, he just needed to see. <laughs> it's, we're really getting, I see what you mean, and like, I think I agree with you, that would have been cool. There's but, something about like the metaphor of just having it be about effort yeah. that makes him overcoming Bane in the end by doing all the dumb like, frontal attack that got him hurt before. Yeah, yeah. I yeah really I, flat. I kind of agree with you there. The although it's weird because we're talking about a scene that I'm like I don't even think that scene really should have been in the movie there. So like how how can we make this scene that I don't think should be there? Yeah, I mean it's a really tough kind of thing. You got to do a lot of that with the, watching this film. It's right. It's a tough thing to analyze. But I feel like there there was something amazing about Shawshank Redemption, right? Mm-hmm. It's a prison movie, and it's like they build up this idea: you're in a fortress and you can't escape. And yeah. all of a sudden, like, the dumb little rock hammer that you'd been seeing all the way through the thing is, right. like, the the reveal that, oh, he tunneled through that whole fucking wall. Like, I felt like they could have done something that, like, established that there's more than one way to crack the on- the break the egg. To yeah. The no, actually, now you're kind of selling me on this idea now. I think that would have been good. But, okay, Batman is not... He's got no protein shakes. What are they feeding him down there? <laughs> is he able to build muscle? I mean, Christ, it's a good thing he's not in the Batcave where he would actually have food. I think this blind guy says that all he has to do is use his fear and then he can make that Use his fear of death. Yeah. How come he didn't tell everybody else that? Because Bruce Wayne is like a Protestant white man and the knowledge will be safe with him. Whereas <laughs> these other guys are scum. <laughs> The blind guy's like, oh, I don't, I'm not getting out of the pit, so I'm not telling anybody the secret. Oh, again. Jesus Christ, Bruce. <laughs> oh, God. That is that tunnel is eerily similar to the tunnel that's in the first movie. 
call me a purist, but I like to have Batman in my Batman movie. Yeah, eventually <laughs> you have planned to have Batman in your Batman movie. <laughs> I was. Did, were you surprised that uh, that there wasn't more backlash? Like Kevin Smith really liked this movie. There was a lot of kind of like yeah, Kev- flat holes, but it's a good Batman movie. I don't understand why. Like Kevin Smith, I see that he's a Batman fan, but I don't understand why anyone thinks that he's any kind of an authority. Yeah. On Batman. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I, there's, you could almost do another podcast just trying to analyze the reasons why there wasn't more of a backlash against this movie. I think that for me, I could read it in all the reviews mm-hmm. that people didn't think it was as good as the previous movie, and I got the feeling that it was like, oh, me and Todd care more about this than most people do. <laughs> most yeah, people just well, like watch the movie and they're like, "Yeah, it was alright." I like the, the explosions. Is, I, I don't know about Kevin Smith, but I think I would have to talk to more. I actually don't know that many Batman. What did Chris fans. Chapman think of it? I don't know. No, but Chris, you know, I don't know. Rob Simpson. It'd be interesting to know. <laughs> yeah, but you know what Rob Simpson's gonna be like? He's gonna be like, "Oh, some good, good things in there, right?" Things in there, yeah. But uh, I'd have to talk to more fans because I feel like by this time, in much the same way that they tried to expand the action of the movie and make it huge, they kind of like, it seems like now they're like, we want to capture the bigger audience. And so we want to make the bat, And they're doing it even more so yeah. with the Justice League. And I think that there, there's a bit of like... Like it's kind of a... We're getting into the Batman movies for people... Who are not Batman fans? Right. With with this, I think, and yeah. even more so in the future, they got to keep the money going up. I also think that um, that's cool. There's some bats. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. My spirit animal. Wait, I'm a fucking bat. All right. Wait a minute, I'm fucking Batman. I make a jump. Yeah, that's something you probably should remember. There's also quite a bit of metal down there, so you could probably fashion yourself like a rock pick and stuff. And yeah, but. Also. Great. Yeah. I do have to say though, fucking awesome soundtrack. Yeah, Hans Zimmer's the man. This <laughs> is funny, I went home for Christmas and my mom was like, Can you get me music from the internet? I'm like, sure mom. What do you want? She's like, I want the Rain Man soundtrack. <laughs> so I download the Rain Man soundtrack, yeah. and it's a lot of like pop songs and stuff. And she's like, no, 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 not this. The music that they play during the scenes, the ambient stuff. Mm-hmm. So I noticed like down on the track listings, Hans Zimmer, right? There's like two Hans Zimmer tracks on there. And then I looked elsewhere, and there's actually like an entire Hans Zimmer soundtrack that he did for Rain Man. My mom's a Hans Zimmer fan. <laughs> it's all like synthesizer, like tribal music in that movie. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, cool. All right, Hans Zimmer's I can get that awesome. for you. I love even the Superman movie. Like, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah, let's kill all these people before we blow up the city. Also, I feel like there should be way. M- I mean, this is a cool idea because it's like a mimic of the French Revolution stuff. But that's not a lot of people in there. I mean. Yeah, but this has been talked about by everybody, Red Letter Media and everybody else, that, like, there's nobody in Gotham, there's no citizens. Yeah. So maybe they didn't blow up every bridge and they did leave. Right. Yeah. Or they just swam across the fucking river before it yeah. froze over. Yeah. I can build a boat. If I'm in a city Get with all the sporting goods and stuff, I can build a boat. Because <laughs> you're too crazy. 
And also, I feel like you could pr get down on a starfish and just kind of shift along. Yeah, ice. you got to spread out your weight, right? That's yeah, the, that's what they always tell you. It's like the maybe, I don't know. Maybe they're American, so they don't understand snow or ice. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, I could get across that river. The bomb goes off tomorrow. So Gordon's back in action after being uh, I also hospitalized. Like Gordon's hair. It's not as good. John Blake's coming in to steal his thunder. Yeah. Oh, John Blake, you you're the commissioner now, so why don't you do it? Shoot anybody today? Murder fucking fucking murder. <laughs> Amateur. <laughs> uh, this is good. This is from um, that comic book series uh, Batman No or No Man's Land, Gotham No Man's Land. Yeah. Where they blow up the bridges and they turn Gotham into kind of a yeah. Police state, yeah, yeah, and Gordon starts to build an amateur army, but there's not nearly enough about this in the movie, and like you could have explored that whole a whole lot. Yeah, as far as like characters who are not Batman getting a significant amount of screen time, I I could have lived with more Gordon. I like Gary Oldman. There's something necessary too about like if you've got Bane and he's going to be this revolutionary guy. Then there has to be somebody leading the opposition forces, and Batman's not good at that because he's not a he's not a good delegating. He's not a team player. So, but Gordon would be. He runs a whole police force. Yeah. So he's the opposite person. He's the obvious character that would be doing something like this. Yeah. But you know, they completely throw that out the window too because the cops just run at the bad guys and they fight in the street or whatever and it has no consequence to the story at and all. somehow the movie's two and a half hours oh <laughs> yeah oh tally really sure yeah you can you can show up you could be part of you need more screen time and okay let's man i bet it's gonna be really triumphant when batman comes back right it makes this <laughs> he reappears it's probably gonna be really cathartic for the audience and really exciting when batman comes back Oh, I know. I know. We're just completely jumping all over the place. Yeah. But you should probably touch on the fact that, like, this the previous movie was Dark Knight. Uh, this movie is Dark Knight Rises. Most of the fucking movie takes place during the day. <laughs> there's very little. There's very little scenes of Batman at night. In well, you said you already said it, but I remember when they called him. Somebody tried to call them on that with uh, in Dark Knight. Somebody was like. A lot of Batman during the day in this movie, and Christian Bale was like really careful to say he was like ah, but you know indoors, like you know when he's talking to the Joker in that room, right? You see Batman and the lights are on, and at that point even that was weird for people, right? They were like, "What's Batman doing in a room that's lit?" Right? But fair, fine. It was an awesome scene. But yeah, now it's like he is walking around in broad daylight. In the Batman. You know what my f feeling about it is? What? I think that there's a technical thing that's going on. I think that that IMAX film that they were using needs a lot of light. Oh, God. And I think that because they wanted to make the film, like, consistent, where it wasn't like IMAX shot during the day, right. everything else during oh, the night, right. oh, they made, God. like, a, a conscious hope, choice to make I it mostly. I hope that's not the I reason. think that's what, that's what it might be. Christ. Because, like, if you were shooting this on red or any of the digital cameras, they are really go good in low light, so you yeah. can do a lot of, like, dark... Who 
cares about the IMAX camera? <laughs> Christopher Nolan. Does. <laughs> he loves that fucking beast camera. Mounting it on a car, oh, driving it. Around. I think he might be right now. Now that I'm thinking about it, but I even watching like the preview and seeing the shots of that gang fight, I was like, well, clearly they're gonna do day for night shooting. Like, clearly it's gonna be nighttime when that happens. I couldn't even. That's when I started to be really like, oh God, something's gotten terrible <laughs> wrong. Oh no. Oh God, no. Oh no. So at, at this point in the theater, were you still with it? <sighs> yeah. I, well, I mean, at this point, I think there were a lot... I had a lot of subconscious misgivings at this point, but it wasn't a lost cause. At this point, I was like, all right, we're not quite at the third act, an amazing third act could rescue this movie. At this point, clearly there's problems. Yeah. Clearly there's a lot of like wasted time and characters that don't need to be there. But if the Bane and Batman fight is fucking incredible. Yeah, if you make it like Rocky yeah. where you're just like, Oh my god, he's back. Yeah. yeah. He's back. If it's a triumphant, incredible like twenty five minute fist fight across Gotham then I'll then everything will be forgiven. Right. And you could imagine something like that. Because there's so many great action sequences in this movie. Like clearly it's not a matter of like being able to this to stage it. You have the talent. It's just deciding to go that way. And instead what you get is like a really awkward Tally Al Ghoul reveal. Chase the bomb. Having her you know, flop over and die like a grade six yeah. <laughs> theatrical play. You have the Bane Batman conclusion be Catwoman drives in on shoots the fucking Bane. motorcycle and just shoots Bane. You know, kind of as like kind of thumbing like nothing. And Batman in the eye and going like, "Hey, want to use a gun sometimes, Batman? No big yeah. deal." And he doesn't even seem to have too much of a problem with it at that point. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Thought <laughs> I was about to get fucking killed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old man. I'm old as shit. Takes a lot of cow whooping. I'm old as shit. He's just. I don't know. He didn't get as big in here. I know. He's just. He just wants out of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he wants out of this. Fr I think actually most people in this movie clearly want out of this movie. <laughs> Should we do an alternate soundtrack where Christian Bale is just like subconsciously thinking about how to get out of his contract? He's like, I just gotta do this third fucking movie and then I'm out. And then I can just do my David O. Russell uh, Academy Award performances. <laughs> David O. Russell. It's just so... So you disabled the autopilot, right? Like, that still doesn't work? Oh, I definitely disabled the autopilot. Autopilot. Because I don't want you to have some peace of mind and know that I'm not actually dead, <laughs> even though we've had this relationship. <clears throat> so you had, in Batman Returns, you had a similar beat at the end of the movie where it's like, you thought Catwoman had sacrificed herself to like electrocute Max Shrek. Right. And then they kind of did a reveal thing at the last beat of the movie. Yeah. I felt like... That works for Catwoman. I thought that that would have worked better for Catwoman to fly the nuke out and, like, get blown up and stuff. Like, as a kind of redeeming thing. If she had done something bad enough in the movie and, like, had a, re a real reason to deem be redeemed. But 
Although then Batman would have done absolutely nothing of value to save God. Except having an amazing fist fight with Bane and getting rid of like the king villain of If that City. had happened. Yeah. yeah. Like I thought that it would have been an interesting setup if you were going to do the whole bomb plot thing to have Batman go off to fight Bane and Catwoman because she's the tech expert and can like drive Batman's Batman, car and stuff yeah. like maybe she has to deal with the bomb. And maybe Batman doesn't even know about it and like and then like it's too late to you know cuz he wouldn't let her do that he would do it himself. But if she just goes ahead and does it while he's fighting that that would work. That's mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. And also well, Red Letter Media pointed it out, but like he just spent like four hours painting that sign. He's Bat Banksy. He's yeah. a street artist. I mean now. now and now they have forty five minutes to save the city. <laughs> This was Matthew Modine's payoff. He gets to like. I'm not even Batman. sure if that is a Batman symbol. <laughs> oh, okay, a little bit more there. I like that. I like that. That he seems a little bit afraid and right. confused. There. Right. That was some good acting. So again, going back into ways that they could have made some of this stuff work. If Bane was the alpha guy and didn't know about the bomb, like if he thought Here's he was Robin be... getting his ass kicked. Here's exhibit A of why this guy deserves to be the next Batman. <laughs> why he's qualified to be Batman. <laughs> yeah. Except your face. I kind of wish here, since it's kind of supposed to be doing like a thing where Gordon Levitt gets to see his childhood hero in action, and he's like clearly surprised at how awesome it is. I wish that had been, if they're going to tie things back, I wish he had done it more like when Batman drops into the middle of those guys and Batman begins, and it's like shot so like you can't even, he seems to be going so fast that you can't even see. Yeah, point of view. They only did the real the point of view character once in that tunnel shot where the guy was machine gunning at Batman yeah, and he was yeah. like jumping all over the place, and that was really effective. Yeah, they don't do a whole lot of like uh, point of view shots in this movie where you get to understand what other people see and Batman has. Yeah, like I did complain uh, when I saw Batman Begins that you couldn't see any of what Batman was doing, mm -hmm. but. It's kind of a balanced thing, you know. You get to pick the spots. He goes way too—he's um, way too obvious in all of these sequences. Like yeah. Batman has basically just become like a trophy. He's not—he's like a standard things. bearer. Like he just wanders around, and people go like, "Oh, Batman's here, good." Yeah, but he's not doing anything too impressive. We believe in ourselves now that Batman showed up. Yeah, so what's this contrast? I don't understand technology. <laughs> and I hate this joking, but this shit. She's a wisecracker. Goes like motorcycles. See, this. Okay, that's kind of. This is. One of the scenes that kind of gave me that idea that she should have been the one that pilots that Batwing thing. She's the tech expert, and they've already established that she's got a knack for picking up, like, Batman's stuff. 
Right. So, I don't know. It, it makes it it's a better fit. And then it also makes sense that like if you're going to have Tully Al Ghul in the movie and she's going to be secretly part of this death cult and she's going to blow everybody up, mm-hmm. that can, Bane doesn't need to know about that. And that can be something that like gives Catwoman something to do and the girls can have a fight over like the fucking bomb and right. You yeah. know, Tally can hold on to the bomb and get carried yeah. off into the sky by if, the bat wing and if stuff. There is indeed uh, a reason to have two femme fatales rather than which one. there isn't, but I yeah, mean, but I'm I see. To help. I see what you mean. That actually does sound like a pretty good idea if you accept the fact that both of those female characters have to be in this. Yeah. Broad daylight. This is certainly a situation that calls for Batman. Cops obviously would approach a situation like this completely unstrategically and just run at machine guns because, you know, they have no training. Right. (laughs) The fucking thing is, the thing is that, like, even the posters from this movie made this scene seem way cooler than it was. Where the fuck is Gordon? Like, those posters where, like, those panorama posters where, like, Batman is, like, marching alongside the cops like forward and Bane is here and there's like it's a physical like right there Gangs of New York that looked kind of cool in the posters there also because you couldn't tell that it was broad daylight it was kind of photoshopped a little bit but this way I don't know the filming of this is so boring (sighs) I don't know it it, it makes me tired it makes me tired to see all of this stuff I uh because I think that Batman would Say don't do that. That's a stupid. He thing would say do. like he would yeah. say tell Gordon don't lead your forces against Bane like in a head-on attack. He has all of my He's weapons and weapons. stuff, and he will murder you. Yeah. Although we guess he just deactivated them all, but then they are usable again later. Why doesn't he deactivate the bomb with the? That? He can deactivate the bomb with that that thing. Why or at least deactivate. Power. Talia's truck when she like goes into one of those things and drives around. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you think that there's any way that they could have spun Catwoman to give her more moral stakes in this where she's making decisions that actually have an impact on the story? Well, it could have happened, but I mean, we'd have to go square. We'd have to write this thing from the ground up. Like if they had to combine it into one femme fatale character, she could have been more like involved with Bane. Like that, yeah. They, those two characters could have. Been like, combined. is there any reason why Catwoman would set up a bomb to like try to like cover her tracks? Like, I can blow up Batman and Bane, and I can get out of this place. Like, she would never set up a, off a bomb, but she might pretend. She always kind of has a silver lining in like the comic book. She's not she's never pure bad. evil. Batman and Bane, right the there. Right. He's like, I was. You beat me before, but I'm back now with heart. Off of a <laughs> off of a back injury and my fear of death, and uh, I've got my mojo back, I guess. Get him, Gary. Oh, wrong truck. Shit.
I actually watched this movie, uh, I torture with myself, myself with this movie every now and again. <laughs> and, uh, okay, I watched it a month ago, and, okay, I, but I fast-forwarded all the parts that I don't give a shit about to just watch the parts that Super I kind of like. Super cut. You want to know how long that cut was? 30 minutes. 25 minutes. <laughs> We should we should talk a bit about um, the the, uh, the delusions that we come away with when we're anticipating a movie so badly and then it's not that great and then for a while like there's this kind of like shell shock that you get where you're coming out yeah. of the theater and your brain automatically fills in some of the holes in the plot and you try to imagine like. A, a version of the movie that's better than the one that you saw. I did a lot of that, but I was actually pretty proud of my reaction to this movie you compared grown. to my reaction to the first Trollstrom Trollstromacker movie. Well, my 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 comparison is like the Star Wars movies. It took me a long time to reconcile with the fact that those movies were terrible because I kept on like being deluded. Yeah, kept <laughs> wanting them to be good. It's like there was lightsabers in it, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I like I came out of this and I I was just lost. I I just felt like as if Nolan was like my uh, like my dad who just beat me up as a kid and for no reason. Yeah. Like just really confusing. I was like, how could this happen? Outfit. Oh, she's got her. Uh... <laughs> so he should have just known something was up from her fashion choice or her strategic placement inside the building. He's a little old man under the mask, just like Darth Vader. <laughs> Imagine Talia was secretly banging the whole time. She like unzips her her body like uh, Bugs Bunny and the old Bugs Bunny hundreds. He comes out. They almost it, it's almost <laughs> reached that fish. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot my wife. I love you, Batman. But but my hallucination told me that you did. <laughs> oh! She could have killed him while she was having sex with him that time. And also, why does he just accept? Like, okay, she stabbed you in the side. Like, backhander. Like, what? You can't overpower a woman to get the button? Yeah. Like, it's, he got shot before! It reminds me and of Batman uh, Returns when Catwoman stabs him in the side. Yeah, and he's like, he throws her off a fucking building. And he's like, <laughs> bitch, dude. Yeah. Like, why is that? That's a funny thing, like, talking more broadly about working in canon and, like, making something that had a whole bunch of other material before the movie came along. Uh-huh. When you have something like Batman Returns or the comic books that establish something like that, where you've had a scene where 
the femme fatale character stabs him in the side and chucks her off a fucking building. Yeah. It's in your brain, right? Yeah, you can't ignore that, right? It becomes, even though it's not part of, like, Nolan's movies... Yeah. It's it's subtly part of the character. It's been it's been brought into the canon by Tim Burton's funny movies. Yeah. Batman is not very badass in this movie. Nor is Bane. Yeah. Her protector. There's uh CGI. They should have CGI'd Liam Neeson. You know how they did uh, in the X-Men movie? <laughs> did you see the X-Men movie where they CGI'd Xavier to look younger? In the first class X-Men movie, he makes like a cameo and he's he's like young Xavier. Is it, all the no. wrinkles are smoothed out of his face. Oh, that's in the Wolverine movie. Oh, the Wolverine movie. Yeah. Okay. And then he cries. Just push her over and grab the... Just break her neck with your bare hands. Yeah, God. Since you don't have a problem with Catwoman shooting Bane. Oh, Gordon. <laughs> Gordon's having a tough day. He's he's really doing all the hard work. What's What are the consequences of any of the stuff that Batman's doing? Fucking a single terrorist? Yeah, given that like Gordon has disabled the bomb from her signal. And now he just lets Bane put a noose around his neck. He's heartbroken, though. He had such a deep connection to the Tally Al Ghul chick. He puts the pussy on a pedestal. He put his penis into her in one scene, so clearly... Why did the love the chemical most, get released? That's the most important thing to Batman is his girlfriend. <laughs> I thought we were past that! That's the way the Tim Burton movies were. So he's fighting the world over a girl. <laughs> I guess it makes the character more relatable. I don't know. Is that why people like Batman? Because he likes girls? Well, in the same way that you were saying that they've tried to make the movie accessible to a lot of different audiences, giving him a love interest kind of opens it up a bit. Right. I suppose... Although, I don't know. Oh, so everything we're doing here is meaningless. Also, if you want to, you know, kill Batman, why don't you stab him in the throat? Because she wants him to see the bomb go off. So How do you see a nuclear weapon go off, Todd? I guess she just wants the light to hit him. She wants to. He wants to see him go like. What? <laughs> huh? Oh shit! There wouldn't even be a no shit. And also, I don't understand why this makes Gordon Levitt lose his faith in being a police officer. Because the reason why this guy won't let him across is perfectly legitimate, given the information that he has. Why would he expect that guy to just believe him? I thought the United States didn't negotiate with terrorists. Why would they believe a bunch of terrorists are going to blow up the city if people cross the bridge. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the, and I don't there, know. there. Goodbye, my friend. Friend zone. 
she's almost and also okay, even if she's whatever. It's just too diabolical. It doesn't seem like a human thing to do. Like she just wants him to know that he failed and she just wants to blow up all these people for no reason. I bought Liam Neeson because he wanting was like, to like blow up the city, but he seemed like he had plans on escaping. He's like, I'm not gonna blow myself. And not only that, there seemed to be a certain morality to Liam Neeson's plan. Like, he wanted to destabilize Gotham in order to... It's like cathartic fire. You need to, like, burn down all the dead wood so that it can rise again from the ashes or whatever. There goes Bane. Oh. And then, uh... See Bane. Yeah, and, like, they compared it to, like, the London fire and the fall of Rome and stuff, and like, just to like, create some kind of equilibrium and like, I guess the global economy or something. Mm -hmm. Which, I guess that doesn't make sense when you really start to think about it, but it made at least a little bit of sense. But wasn't this vindictive thing where they want to like, explode like, millions of people with a nuclear bomb? That just doesn't seem like any person would credibly want to do that. Yeah, and the the other thing that made the bomb silly was that if you if you go with uh, Raz Al Ghul's first plan, where you're gonna use a microwave detonator to release fear gas all over the city and make everybody insane, that seems like a bridge to Gotham City that I was hoping we were gonna get by the third movie. Whereas destroying Gotham completely makes me feel like that's just a dumb Hollywood trope and obviously that plan is not going to succeed because why would you just blow up the whole city and not have any room for more adventures in the future? Right. You know? Like, I hate it when screenwriters write themselves into a corner where it's like, obviously the main character is not going to die. Yeah, nobody thinks that's, like, this is going to happen, so... You don't buy it. Yeah. You know? There's plenty of, like, situations in really great action movies in the past where the screenwriters are able to, like, keep you going along with it. Like, if you watch The Predator, right? Like, The Predator's great in that, like, Schwarzenegger gets, gets painted into a corner in the end, but they've taken away, like, all of his, like, strategic advantages. Like, you have a hard time kind of wrapping your head around, like, wait a minute, The Predator's a fucking badass. How are they going to level the field here? And then there's like a, a montage sequence where you kind of like see Schwarzenegger getting his act together. Mm -hmm. And then that great scenario where it's like the Predator is right on Schwarzenegger's heels. He's like steps from the escaping to like the helicopter. Um, the Predator ambushes, kills like the two remaining survivors and Schwarzenegger like falls in that lake. Mm -hmm. And then there's the great reveal where My. he's crawls through the mud and he realizes that like he can get the advantage because he can't be seen when he's like covered in mud right and then the hunter becomes the hunted yeah but then it's still not easy after that right like you get into a scenario where he makes a mistake and he falls in the water and mud washes off the predator beats the crap out of him and then there's like another trick where he drops the log on the head and he ends up like just narrowly escaping yeah you kind of like escalate the tension a lot of different ways and you kind of, you're yeah. constantly kind of like changing the scenario and changing the, who has the advantage in each of those scenarios. Yeah. 
it doesn't seem like Batman learns anything in this movie. And I also no never thought I could possibly have cared less about the Batwing. <laughs> it just... I don't know. I mean, pe pe obviously this movie has like strengths against the Tim Burton movies. But, I don't know, I remember when like the Batwing made its appearance in the Tim Burton movie. And you were like, holy shit. But this thing... There was this seems ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you think of the plot point in the Batman movie that made the the Batwing essential, right? Joker decides to deploy like gas-filled balloons to gas the city, and he uses the Batwing to like tow those balloons yeah. out of the place, right? It's a very there's necessity there. Yeah, I don't right? know why they had to introduce the Batwing in this movie. And other, then other a, than to sell a toy. I'm there's like, a forced fit, too, where, like, there's rockets being fired at him from something. Uh, Telly's driving the bomb around. Can't she just press the trigger yet? Like, what's... Does she need to drive the bomb, like, somewhere strategic in order for it to work now because, like, it's been disabled or something? I don't... I'm not sure. You never stop me. In the old, in the, I remember thinking in the Dark Knight, like when the Joker's in that nurse suit, I was like, this is incredible, like how they've been able to take like tropes that like you never thought you would see in a live action movie, but they're, they're definitely like some stuff that the Joker does, right? Like in the comic books and in the animated series. And just, did, they just worked it in in a way that was completely believable and made sense. And this, it doesn't happen. Like, Everything seems just wedged in, like, but it doesn't really fit. And like you said, the hierarchy of of the different things is all messed up. Their importance level. It's a funny kind of thing to want to bring back Raz al Ghul. I was really glad that they had chosen him for the main villain in the first film because like he's a he's really cool in the, the animated series yeah but you know if they want to reintroduce that character there's a lot of parts about Raz al Ghul that didn't get touched on in the first movie like they they established that uh, they kind of did like a backwards way of doing like the reincarnation thing by saying like his title passes on yeah, from person yeah, yeah. to person yeah um but, I don't know, like, there's so many Raz al Ghul stories, and he's got, like, a really kind of bent ideology, too. Like, uh, he's got an obsession with Batman where not only does... He sees him as his heir, and he's trying to keep, figure out all sorts of different schemes to, like, try to corrupt Batman into, like, getting on board with his mission. Yeah. You know? They kind of really quickly turned Raz al Ghul against Batman in this series and Talia kind of continues that she's suddenly just 
an agent of revenge now and doesn't really have any interest in like teaming up with Batman and try to turn him into like the heir apparent. In the comic book, she's in love with Batman. I mean, she's the mother of his kid that I don't like the idea of revenge. <laughs> oh, I was going to say um, earlier. One funny thing about having these big sprawling characters that go on for generations. Yeah. You know, you, there's a necessity to kind of make it broad enough and to experiment a lot to keep the character fresh. Mm -hmm. And one of the funny things is that I find is like, you as a fan, you can do a lot of self-editing. Like, there's a lot of stuff in the comic books that I think is silly. Yeah. And really, my favorite Batman stuff is really from Batman the Animated Series. And I still think Mask of the Phantasm is, like, the best Batman movie. <laughs> and, like... But you almost gotta be able to say, like... You're, you're cherry-picking, right? Yeah. And there's other stuff that other people who are also fans of the character, they like better. And they don't like the stuff that you like. And it's funny to, to take a movie like this, which actually has elements in it that were taken from canon material and assembled into a movie. Yeah. The same way that like we would probably take the stuff that we like and assemble it into the movie. But I wonder, do you think that that's uh, is justified? It's a really confusing mixture. like, And in a way, like... Sometimes the failures of these things can really, like, lead to interesting results. Like, I think, like I said, like, I think that even the character of Robin in the comics is, like, based on a misconception of why kids read comic books and, like, the idea that they would want to be Batman's kid's sidekick and then they wouldn't actually see themselves as Batman and want to be Batman, which I think is wrong. But once they... But actually, they've led to like some good stories with Robin just in trying to work out the inherent problem with that character. Like, to try and make it work, somehow it leads to a lot of creative solutions. So, stuff always fucks up, and sometimes like good things come out of it. But this is just, I don't know, really confusing. And, and I was just really sad, because I'm like, okay, clearly it was good enough. It was a good enough attempt at doing Bane that I know I am never going to see, like, a good Nightfall movie until I'm 50 now because they, like, you might wasted see, a decent shot. You on. might see an animated version of it by the well, same people that made that. That would be... I think that's the best we could expect now is that they... is that Bruce Timm does an animated Nightfall movie. Yeah. Going into the last, like, kind of 10 minutes of this movie, I think that... Uh, you know, I'll go back to what I was saying about how I think the Mask of the Phantasm and Bruce Timm's animated series is my favorite depiction of, of Batman in almost every regard. Like, he even gets into the more campy characters like Mr. Freeze, but handles it, like, in a really smart way. He introduces Robin in a way that I kind of like. Like, Robin in the animated series is always, like, reconnaissance. He's kind of like... He has a lot of the same elements as Batman. He comes along for um, to investigate things and to fight villains and stuff, but he's never put on the same plane as Batman. Yeah. They don't go... You know, some of the campy stuff where, like, Batman and Robin, like, sidekick people together 
and they seem to be like fighting villains at the same level of, of skill and stuff like that. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of that in the animated series. Yeah. I really, I have to say, when they reveal that statue a second ago, I really like that the blue cloth that they have on it is like kind of the uh, the color blue that Batman's cowl and stuff would be in the comic. Classic Batman blue. Classic Batman blue. Yeah, kind of like that. And now that you're confused, comes the final kick in the balls <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Just while you're down. Oh. I like your real name. Robin. Robin. <laughs> oh god. I think they actually promised never to put Robin in the Chris Nolan movies before this. Yeah. But I guess that was a clever ruse. There, You know, it's funny when people were dissecting, digesting this movie afterwards, there are fans that feel like this ending doesn't kill off Batman. That he's just on a break he and he's coming back and it does arrive at that point that you were suggesting where like right. this is Batman Begins trilogy and like Batman's coming back and now Robin's in place and like He's gonna train. Right, he's gonna train him. But I, there's no the thing that I have the problem I have with that. He gave his house away. He gave his house away. Yeah. They also there's no more villains. Like they didn't leave in place um, a need for Batman at the end of this movie. Right. So him getting all of the gear at the end doesn't isn't necessary either. Like he doesn't he's passing the torch on to what like. They've, they didn't acknowledge the fact that the fear gas had made all sorts of maniacs that are still out there. out there. They didn't acknowledge that there's any kind of like legacy from what Bane did, like releasing all the criminals. Yeah, I feel like the the end of this could have been good if we were talking about like just making simple tweaks. If Batman hadn't retired completely and you want to keep Robin in it, at least leave like some sort of menace in the city, or it's like we still need to be on our toes. We still need Batman to get back out on patrol because, like, yeah, they let all the maniacs out. I don't. Know. I can't believe that that's the case. Because why would he give away his house? Are they gonna live down there? Yo, yo, what's bro? up, bro? Just here with my hot girlfriend. Well, that's all I need to see. <laughs> I'm gonna have a chat. Fuck. Does Christopher Nolan like Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Does he think he's more fun? He's like, yeah, I think he would have been a better Batman. <laughs> I don't know. They seem they seem to get along, Christian Bale and and him. But I, I have no... I don't understand that. I think my my perception of Batman is really starting to get to the point where I actually need to engage with the actual material that's being produced very little. Yeah. I can kind of just have my own ideas about it. Which I guess, apparently, due to the success of this movie, are not shared by a, a wide group of people. So... Well, I mean, that's a, that's a good position to be because, you know, you're a creative person, so you're at a point where you should be 
picking up the torch and saying, like, you guys fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. This is what should happen in the news stories. Well, I think we're in for kind of a Joel Schumacher kind of period now. I think that I think that you're uh, right in anticipating that they might do a kind of monster thing with a monster match with it. With him going into with, Justice League? No, I, I like another Batman movie with a man bat kind of character and like a clay face kind of thing. Something a bit more CGI monster kind of kind of deal. I guess that could happen. Lord I mean, once since he's being introduced through a story that has Superman and superpowers in it. You could do that, mm -hmm. but I don't know. They haven't done the Spider-Man treatment with Batman yet, where he can do backflips and fly through the air and stuff, and have a crazy, stupid camera zooming around. Yeah, but I—that isn't quite what I meant with doing the monster movie. Like, I thought like you could do the monster movie like still with this kind of seriousness to it, but just just with that one element of. Uh, of like the you know Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde man bad character like put in but still dark right like the way monster movies are like a horror movie it's not like silly it's not like the Avengers right it's like a serious like scary fucking thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah I buy that too I I guess w w the thing that I find appealing about the idea is you can spin it a lot of different ways I think that the obvious way that they would do it is to fuck it up and is make it a yeah. dumb. <laughs> Yeah, a dumb Avengers kind of thing where that's what I'm expecting. There's absolutely no gravity and like no stakes, and it's a big silly kind of thing with a lot of buildings falling down and a lot of I don't know giant backflips. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so do you feel like uh, you've burnt out? Has this scratched the itch? Do you feel like do you feel like you can uh, move on now? <laughs> I don't know if I can move on because I just like the character, so I mean it just goes on. But uh, actually, I, I kind of feel like if I was really gonna like set my thoughts down about all this, I'd almost have to write an essay. Because you can never, or we'd have to do this like five times, and then mm -hmm. like edit, edit it together. Together. Because like you just can't. You just can't coherently, like, hit all the things that you've thought about it, like, in yeah. a single take, and then in a coherent way, I think. The thing that I find funniest about my experience as, like, a fan mm -hmm. is that I have way more to say about bad movies than I do about good movies. Nowadays, there's 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 a lot that I, that I can kind of... Ex I watch a movie like Die Hard... Which is kind of very simple and is is really good, but it it only like it tries it only tries to achieve like a certain level of like amazingness, mm -hmm. and I can sit back and enjoy that and just enjoy it as an '80s action movie and a good time and like a well done kind of piece of action movie making. Yeah. But when something like Batman comes along, it's like it has so much potential to be that kind of dark horse thing where it has potential to be a really, really amazing movie, like an Academy Award winning movie. Yeah. And we keep on getting, like, the hope that someone's going to take it seriously enough to try to make a movie that aspires to, to, to go there, right? Yeah. But they always kind of 
flunk out, and then they have a lot of support, like from the critics and from the fans, to flunk out. Where you know they kind of go like, "Well, it's only a Batman movie." I really think yeah. that like the crowd, the, the, the people are suffering from what I suffered through when I saw the Schumacher like three movie with this movie. I think where they're just like everybody wants to be like they want to be on the I believe in Chris Nolan bandwagon and they want to be like they wanted the Batman movie to be good even though they realize it's not that good like but nobody wants to for some reason even though actually it is just a movie nobody wants to like admit to themselves that it, how bad it was on some level I think there's a little bit of that going on like cause people especially people like me who are like you know, there's no way this movie could fuck up. It's gonna be like the best thing ever, right? I think sometimes because people take their taste in movies and music really seriously, it's like hard to admit that actually you were wrong and actually it sucks. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realize that Nine Inch Nails pretty much sucks now. <laughs> it took me a few albums. Yeah. To get used to that. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. Yeah, that, I try not to hitch my. I have a hard time hitching my star to anything because I've just been disappointed by things. So After many times. this movie, I try. <laughs> I try not to do it anymore because I. I feel like I learned the lesson. With yeah, this movie for but the, the, the other thing that I don't like about it though is I hate being a, a you know, a, um, a buzzkill, right? right? But the reality of it is, there's only like three good movies, maybe, that are made a year. Right? Yeah. Most stuff that comes out is unwatchable. Like, in the long run, it's it's kind of shitty. It's kind of lame. Yeah. You know? And, like, somebody was going, did you see Gravity? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to. It is it. a visual. It is visually great. Gravity was had cool parts. I'm glad they but did it, it stuff. But it's like compared to, to uh, Children of Men, it's uh, not as good. shit, you know. And uh, there's like a guy in my office that was going on about how much he loved Gravity and stuff, and I, I was trying not to bum him out. Yeah. But they keep on wanting, they keep on egging they, you on they to like join you, in on the, they the, want you the to, love fest. Not only do they, they want you to agree with them too. That yeah. That's when sometimes you're like. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I also don't want to be confused because, like, sometimes, you know, uh, you'll watch a movie and it's underappreciated and you're trying to advocate it to people that you think don't know a lot about movies and you want to get them to appreciate it on the same level. And I was trying to make him understand that that wasn't the case with right. <laughs> what was happening here. It's like... Right. This is actually <laughs> the only... I, I really don't... It, I mean, it probably certainly sounds like we do complain a lot, like, <laughs> on this thing, but uh, this is, like, the only movie now that I will raise this thing about when people, like, talk about how great it is. With other movies, I'm just like, cool. Yeah, I, that is cool. Yeah. Because I just... You don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I think, like, this is, no, you know, whatever. But, uh... I feel like when I thought that I was going to be involved in movies to some extent or at some point, I took it a lot more seriously. Mm. Where like I felt I had some kind of crusader mission to like help people understand what a good movie was or something. 
But now that I don't really have any expectation of being involved in movies, mm -hmm. I find I, I don't care as much. Yeah. I also think that there might be a bit of... Um, uh, you're settling, you're settling uh, an old... You're settling a crime almost, or like trying to make up for the fact that like leading up to Dark Knight Rises, there was a lot of like uh, cheerleading going on about how it was certain to be the greatest yeah. movie oh, of yeah, all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must mark this date out of the calendar. There is no way that this movie is not going to be brilliant. Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> yeah. I learned the lesson. There was... I don't think we saw it together, right? Like No, I saw it with Deanna. Separately. And then uh, our, the first... Like, I'm kind of glad that I that I did that. I remember like when we got together, though, there was this like weird, awkward moment where I didn't know how to feel about it. And I was like... So you wanted to know like how, I, how what I was going to think? Yeah, because yeah. sometimes I get confused where like I'll see a good movie and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I need to kind of like get other feedback and then see it a couple more times before I know how I really feel about it. Yeah. But I just, I, I, I remember coming out of the theater and just feeling so empty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wonder, I wonder what Todd's doing right now. Yeah, no, I felt like exactly, I feel like you and me felt exactly the same way, actually. I just walked out, like, and I could, I didn't, I couldn't even speak, really. I was just shocked. <laughs> I was walking around in shock. Yeah. And then as I started to talk, like, after, like, Deanna said she, like, didn't know what to say to me. Like, she was really awkward. Because she didn't like it either. Well, she doesn't care as much. Yeah. You know, like, she was whatever for her. But, uh, no, she just, like, thought that I was, like, going to have a breakdown or something. <laughs> she was worried about my sanity. Because but, what, what year was it that that came out? Dark Knight Rises? Yeah. 2010 or something? I think that was... 2012. It wasn't last summer. It wasn't 2013. It was 2012. Yeah. It was only two years. Correct. Ago. Yeah, because it was four years after Dark Knight, which was 2008. Okay. Well, anyways, it was at the height of the recession. And it just <laughs> kind of felt like there was nothing else to look forward to, apart from, like, actual global collapse <laughs> you know? well there will be a real big character I will I will say that I that like I said how I, I don't like care that much as much about movies anymore I think that was probably the moment when it happened <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah when I was just like I don't give a fuck anymore I, <laughs> you failed me for the last time Hollywood mm-hmm yeah. that's probably a good place to stop it Todd losing all his faith in the future of movies. <laughs>